Online at thezone1059.com and on your radio at ESPN 105.9 The Zone. Well, well, well. How the turntables. What's next? Quoting Michael Scott there. Welcome in to this Tuesday edition of the show. I understand that today is the last day of November. It is not the first day of December, but I do have the Christmas lights out. Whether anybody likes it or not, welcome into the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau Insurance, go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau Insurance across the great state of Mississippi. Your hometown heroes, that's your local Farm Bureau Insurance agents all over the great state of Mississippi. Check it out. Well, another shoe has dropped. And today it's one of those little curly-toed shoes like the leprechaun wears. And it's on. The sixth-ranked team in the country in the college football playoff poll, who just went 10-1 and this year. Their only loss was to the number four team. Knocking on the door of getting in the playoff, you just never know. And the coach is saying, see Sing along, everybody. They're going to march on to victory, all right, at Notre Dame. We just don't know who's going to coach them, at least not right now. Welcome into the show. You can be a part of it. Hope you will be. And some interviews coming up for you today. You know, we don't do a ton of interviews here on this show, but when we do, they're good, as far as I'm concerned. You can be a part of the show also by texting me on the Country Pleasing text line or calling me on the phone. I'll give you the numbers. Hang on. Big finish here. Glee Club. Brian Kelly is no longer the head coach of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. He is now the head coach of your LSU Fighting Tigers. Hold that tiger! Yeah. yeah, speaking of LSU, they aren't ranked, are they? He's going to get them there, though, isn't he? You bet. Yeah, so Brian Kelly, that's the big news overnight. Brian Kelly's outie. Tired of fighting and scratching and clawing at Notre Dame just to get to about number seven, number eight, number six, 10 and 1, 11 and 0, 12 and 0, whatever the heck it is. Tired of trying to get up there and get the playoff. No chance to do it. No conference affiliation. I'm going to the SEC. He's taking his talents to Red Stick. All right, so here's the number. Y'all text me today. I'm live. This is a live radio show. It is a live radio show. All right, so text me. Uh, the number to text me on the country pleasing text line is 885-ESPN or 885-3776. 601 number, 885-3776. You can also call me on the Divinity Equipment phone line, Divinity Equipment in Madison and in Jackson. You're Kubota dealer. 995-1059. That also is a 601 number, 
1059. Now, if everything goes according to plan, in just a minute we'll get a chance to talk to Cole Kubelik from ESPN. Later today, it'll be a real tr- treat because the Florida Gators have been in the news, but I hadn't talked to him in a while. Shane Matthews, former great Florida Gator quarterback. He's in the Florida Hall of Fame. He is uh, a 14-year NFL veteran. He was the SEC Player of the Year uh, back in the early 90s, two years in a row, in fact, under Steve Spurrier. And so we'll uh, check in with Shane. How are things in Gator country now that they've added a new coach? Hog Jowl, the first to text me today on the Country Pleasing text line, and he says uh, this has certainly been just about what uh, the wildest coaching carousel I've seen. It's crazy how the salaries have exploded. Money is no object in the Power Five, and you, you can tell that, can't you? I mean, it is <laughs> no question about it. it. You know, money's not an object. There's plenty of that. And that goes for a lot of schools, you know. In, in this era, it is no longer just one or two schools who are that way. It's pretty much all of them, okay? I mean, yeah, for some more than others, but they've all got money. Rep Dog, the first to text today, or the second to text today, he says, Hugh Freeze and Lane Kiffin are so getting jobs. So, so you, Rep Dog, you think those guys are going to, Go somewhere else. See, because I saw recently where, what, Hugh Freeze re-upped uh, his contract situation at Liberty for another ever how many years or whatever. Big contract, going to make, what, 3 or $4 million a year to coach at Liberty. And, um, I mean, you're in the state of Virginia there. You can get players. you got lots of resources at Liberty. don't have to play a very tough schedule <laughs> overall anyway. And, and they've committed to you. So I don't think he leaves. And Kiffin, you know, I was talking yesterday morning to, uh, I forget who, I don't know who it was. It was talking to Parrish Alford from the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal. And he is, uh, you know, kind of, he's covered him for a long time, got connections and everything. But he said that he was hearing that, you know, there, there's a contract negotiation, sort of like, uh, what, uh, an extension and a raise and stuff on the table right now being talked about for Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss and that it was just a matter of them coming together on it. Nothing signed yet, but working on it, all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, and like we talked about last week, what what kind of job, you know, would it be? People, the first thing that came up for Lane Kiffin was Miami. And you go, well, why? I, I don't know if. I don't look at it the same way you would have 20 years ago, right? People automatically went, oh, Miami, you know, lifestyle and everything else. Well, I don't know about that. I'm not buying it. It doesn't pass the smell test for me. Certainly not this early in Kiffin's tenure at Ole Miss. And so I imagine I'd have to be convinced otherwise that he was going to leave. I don't think it's that. I I think I'm going to go with what I said yesterday to start the show, and that is it just seems to me that here in the state of Mississippi this year, you don't have to worry about anything. You just don't have to worry about it. Another curious thing to me was what Hogjow, what we talked about yesterday, Hogjow, is that, you know, um, all these openings, nobody's mentioned Sam Pittman. Why not? Done a heck of a job. Got a good staff, but he's done a heck of a job. So there's so much on the table. You could really start at any place you want to, but I tell you, it's a good place for us to start today on this Tuesday is on the Divinity Equipment phone line, Divinity Equipment in Madison and in Jackson. You're Kubota dealer, the oldest Kubota dealer in the U.S., means they've been doing it better longer than anyone else. And on your radio right now, somebody who's on your TV every weekend, Cole Kublik, an analyst with ESPN and the SEC Network, former Auburn Tiger, 
has a show in Birmingham, and he's on your radio right now. Cole, happy Tuesday to you. Did you behave yourself at the table over Thanksgiving? That's question number one. Uh, would probably depend on your definition of behave, but um, if if that includes um, limiting your caloric intake, yeah. then no, absolutely not. I, I, I did. Yeah, because I caught the picture that you posted. I guess you you know you had to wear an Alabama jersey because you lost the bet with Greg McElroy, right? And you you described yourself as a a busted can of biscuits. Thanksgiving is the reason for that, probably, yeah. or it helped. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's yeah. I'm not. I'm not going to blame one meal or one day on <laughs> on that issue that I'm dealing with right now. But it absolutely contributed to it. There's no doubt. <laughs> gotcha. Hey, and I didn't know that when I got you on the phone today, Cole, <laughs> that I was going to talk to you about this first. But yeah, your alma mater, Auburn's looking for a new offensive coordinator. That kind of happened under the radar with all this other stuff going on, right? But Bobo is out at Auburn. Is that right? He is correct. Um, they've decided to part ways. Um, still two years left on his deal. He'll be paid out, but, uh, you know, it's just, it's a situation where I, I wonder if, I wonder if Brian Harson felt like, Hey, this is an SEC job. There's only so much I'm going to be able to do. And I might not be able to design a game plan every week. I might not be able to call the plays. Let's get somebody in here that I know can help me with that. It can be, efficient with that and you know the relationship that he had developed with mike you know back in their mountain west days i know they had a lot of respect for one another i, mean, I think there were just times this year that it, it just didn't go according to his plan brian Harson's plan so uh, i i think that i think him calling the plays is on the table i think that's something that he'll probably consider hmm. and i think looking around at, at, at some other offensive coordinators to potentially come in you know i think the one thing that because we go back and forth man you guys have seen this you know, really with the last with the last couple head coaches there in Starkville, you know, Dan called his own plays, Mike's calling his own plays. Mm-hmm. We always talk about the time that goes into that and, and is it really viable to be able to handle everything else. But at the same time, if you can do that, I think it gives you the ability to add an assistant coach to maybe be a little bit more specialized with what you're doing with your staff, whether it's a quarterback coach or – you know, you have two offensive line coaches or you split your receiver coaches, whatever that is, it just gives you more manpower in another area to be able to help when you're, you know, coaching guys up on the field and practicing things of that nature. So I'll be interested to see which direction he goes. I think he has some options. And, you know, it's just it's one where it wasn't what he wanted it to be enough of the time. And so now I think he probably realized, hey, I did it one year this way, and that's not the way that we're going to be able to get it done, so we're going to move on. If you had to guess, Cole, Dan Mullen's sitting out there who I know things fell apart at Florida, but in terms of an offensive play caller, coach, quarterback developer over the course of his career has been really good. Is he is he humble enough he's going to go coach offense somewhere, or you think it's just wait and go be a head coach somewhere? What do you think? My opinion would probably say wait to be a head coach mm. uh, because I think he has that kind of belief in himself. And I think when you've when you've done it for as many years as he has, and you've been as successful as he has, especially at Mississippi State, then your belief is probably that that you can go and do that again. Now, I do think the NFL would, would be a totally different animal if somebody wanted to bring him in to run their offense um, in the National Football League. I think that's something that he would consider, and 
who knows, maybe maybe something that he would enjoy a little bit more, be a better fit for him down the road where he could just focus in, dial in on week-to-week game plans and then call and plays, being that X's and O's guy at the next level. So I think Dan will have some options. I don't think he's in any hurry because obviously he's going to have a lot of money <laughs> to be able to sit back and, and take his time and choose what he wants to do. And yeah, I think too, Matt, you, you know this, but a lot of folks don't realize is that a lot of the coaches that are now in his position, I mean, those, those guys still have the ability to do a lot. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of teams that will bring him in for a week. They'll bring him in for a month. They'll bring him in for two weeks. And that's during the season, in the off season, in the spring. And we'll never hear about it. Yeah. It's not going to be on message boards. It's not going to be in the papers. Nobody's going to be tweeting about it because they're usually not times that people are paying attention to it, number one. Number two, they're not paying attention to those things. And so, you know, he'll, he could, he's got the ability to go do that as much as he wants also. And, and usually those guys get paid to come consult and do that. So he, he'll have a lot of different things that he's able to do. But if I had to, if I had to guess, uh, just the amount of time I've been able to be around him and talk to him, uh, I would assume that he'll wait for a head coaching position to open up if he's going to take anything in the near future. And Cole, looking back, um, I mean, it's water, water under the bridge now, but I'm just curious your take. What happened? To him in Florida, I mean, how'd that happen? <laughs> I might, I might not be the right one to ask about this because your tweet from however many years ago is the one that has been recirculating. Yeah. When I was on with you and you asked how I thought he would fare at Florida, and I said I thought he'd win a national championship. Well, and for the record, I agree I with you. Admitted. <laughs> I would make. I think that would make two of us that have admitted we were wrong on that because everybody else uh, apparently yeah. now yeah. knew that it was going to crash and burn. So. <laughs> um, I just felt like knowing knowing the geography, knowing the landscape, the athletes he was going to have access to, um, I just found it really hard to imagine that it wasn't going to go well. And even if it didn't go as well as you and I maybe thought it would, I, I didn't think it was going to be bad or poor by any stretch of the imagination. So I do think the recruiting part was an issue. Um, you know, I think that the effort put forth in that, um, I, I think that the understanding that it's something that you really do have to live and breathe almost every day. Mm-hmm. And even if you're not great at it or as good at it as some other guys, you've got to be out there putting the effort in every single day. And I think he's, he had a lot of other interests. He had a lot of other things that he liked to do, a lot of other people he liked to spend time with, which none of us are going to be upset with him for, you know, playing golf with his son or hanging out with his wife or, you know, doing things with his family. But, it's when you do do those things, unfortunately, some of the other guys find a way to get ahead of you. And, you know, I I think that, I think a lot of the issues there are not necessarily Dan Mullins. I mean, we we are, we're in the middle of a cycle now, Matt, where this has happened multiple times in a row. Um, I mean, you go back and look at the coaches before him and what a lot of them have been able to do, including him. I mean, he was in the SEC championship game. Mac was in the SEC championship game twice. Yeah, um, you know, Muschamp was in the Sugar Bowl. So whether you want to call it the ability to sustain, or unreal expectations, or just how difficult it is to consistently be great there, something is something is holding these guys up being able to accomplish those things. Mm. Now Billy Napier gets a shot at it. I do think that there are some strengths of his that maybe could be better utilized to solve some of the problems down there. I think there is a real cultural problem around Florida football, and that's not necessarily, you know, the people who are inside the building, but I just think that, you know, there have been some guys that have been, that that have felt like they can do whatever they want, however they want for such a long time, that it's going to be very difficult to correct. 
you've got to find a way to correct it. And you, yes, you have access to elite talent, but you better make sure you're continuing to get it year after year after year. Because now it's been proven that just one down year might not be enough. And, and you might be out, and that might be your last shot at it. That's right. Cole Kublik on your radio right now. Y'all follow him on Twitter if you don't already, at Cole Kublik. He's with ESPN and the SEC Network. Brian Kelly from Notre Dame to LSU. There's something about that that to me looks like it can be a fit. You know, a guy who's a, an excellent organizer who's going to have access to maybe even a different level of talent than he had at Notre Dame. You, what do you think? Is it a fit? I, I, don't, I don't know if it's so much of a fit right now as it is that I believe it can work uh. because some of those things that we were talking about with Florida, with, with the culture – around the program, inside the building, inside the facility, the people that, that are sort of attached to the program. I, I do think that there is there are some of those concerns and issues at LSU as well. And you're going to need someone that can at least come in with some discipline mm. and can hold guys accountable. I think there's a lot of guys right now at LSU that they like everything. And, and listen, this, there's a part of this almost everywhere in college football right now, Matt, but I think there are more guys at LSU that are a little bit more interested in saying they play football at LSU mm-hmm. than actually putting the uniform on and doing everything they can to win games at LSU. And that's that's probably a little bit more of a college football problem, but I think that there are pieces of it at LSU because of they saw so much success so fast a couple of years ago that the understanding of what it's going to take year to year to year is just not there. And I think somebody like Brian Kelly can can offset a few of those concerns and a few of those things. Um, you know, the offensive background, uh, the understanding of how to develop, I think, can be very valuable there because the access to talent is as good there as it is anywhere else. I mean, you really, in my opinion, can take the old Schnellenberger Miami approach, draw your 100-mile circle around campus. That could be 70% of your roster every year, and you can win games. So there's just not a lot of people that have that luxury. And... I think I mean, go look at their recru- the people who talk about recruiting. I mean, they got a top five class right now, I mean, number four, number three, depending on the service that you look at, and that's at Notre Dame where he's got massive hurdles mm-hmm. and massive obstacles to be able to bring any recruit in that he wants to. So he will have access to better players. The competition will be a little bit better, but I'm also a guy that thinks Notre Dame schedule is a little bit more difficult than a lot of other people do every year, but. I mean, look at the coaches in the West, the, the teams in the West. It is an absolute gauntlet, and it's going to be fun to watch. I, I think he has a chance to have good success uh, just based on his background and what he's done and how he's going to manage things. I'll be interested to see that staff, though, yeah. because I think, the, I think the staff is one that, you know, kind of what the, some of the things that we talk about with Brian Harson right now and kind of stuff we talked about when Coach Leach was hired, you know, it, it seems to be working out for Coach Leach. I still think the trajectory is upward for Mississippi State. Obviously, Coach Harson looked like it was really going up about midway through the season, and then things sort of leveled off. So the people you have around you are what can help you keep that success, you know, heading in the right direction, and that'll be a big piece for Brian Kelly as well at LSU. Cole, i got about a minute here. Um, I'm going with Alabama to upset Georgia in the championship game. On a scale of 1 to 10, how crazy am I? Probably nine and a half, nine seven five, somewhere in there. I just, okay. I, I'll be honest, Matt. I, I don't see the path. I really don't. Um, there's a lot to like about Alabama. I don't, I don't feel like Alabama is a great team, and 
a lot of people will hear this and immediately get angry and they won't try to take it for what I mean and, and the context involved in it. I think Alabama has a collection of very good and it's not great players. I think Bryce Young's great. I think Jamison Williams is great. I think, I think Will Anderson is the best defensive player in college football, but they just don't operate as a team nearly as well as some other groups in college football. Like I don't think they play as well as a team as Oklahoma State does or Notre Dame is right now and, and definitely not the way that Georgia does. Um, so I, I think that they've got to find a way and it's a little bit late. But they never have found a way to sort of move past, hey, we're just better than you at certain places, so let's just keep going there. I mean, perfect example, when Williams goes out of that game, what does Mechie have, 22 targets in that game? Mm-hmm. Like, if your team is that good, I don't really feel like you should have to live that way, but they can't run the ball. They don't have a lot of other guys creating separation, so all of a sudden that's what you become. And, you know, I get calls into my show every day about how mad they are, I can't run, I can't push everything. I'm like, well, look at the personality of your team. You're a screen-based RPO team. That's what you are. And I think Georgia's going to be able to play very light in the box and still dominate that front. And I just don't see a path for Alabama to win this game. Well, Cole, you can join a bunch of my friends and family. They've all got me on about nine on the crazy scale as well. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm out here on an island by myself. But I really do appreciate your time during a busy time of year for you. It's good to talk to you, Cole. Thank you. Absolutely. Good to catch up, Matt. Yep. Talk to you soon. That's Cole Kublik, ESPN, SEC Network, college football analyst. Follow him on Twitter if you don't already, at Cole Kublik. Just getting started with you on this Tuesday in the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Stick around. Show. Nobody breaks down quarterback play better than him. And he's right here, right now. Online at the zone1059.com. And on your radio at ESPN 105.9, the zone. Bop, 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 bop. Back with you. Rolling along. We're just getting started. Hope you enjoyed the conversation right off the bat there with Cole Kublik. Cole Kublik, former offensive lineman at Auburn. And now you see him on television on the weekends covering college football. He has his own show over in Birmingham. Jimmy commented during that on uh, Twitch, and he said, Cole has a great radio show in spite of the Alabama influence that he has to deal with. What are you talking about, Jimmy? Are you talking about the uh, Alabama fans who listen and call his show, or are you talking about his co-host, Greg McElroy? <laughs> or both? <clears throat> Just curious. Roshana commented on Facebook and said, Hey, Matt, I still can't believe you put ketchup on your turkey. Talk about outraged. Well, it's not like, you know, the, the original turkey. It's the turkey leftovers where it's like sliced up and cut up. And you're making a sandwich out of the turkey leftovers the next day. And when I was a kid, I got started doing that. I'd take two pieces of bread and just put the turkey on there and pour some ketchup on it and eat it. And I really liked it. <laughs> And I think I still do uh, to this day. Yeah, I know it's a little weird, you know. But I'm in terms of, you know, how you use ketchup, why, where you use ketchup, I am nothing compared to you-know-who, Jake Wimberly. Nothing compared to that guy. Gail talking about the Florida situation on Facebook. She said, good old boy stuff in Florida. Uh, Larry said, like I said on a couple of Facebook groups, 
Uh, if Mike leaves, I believe it'll be for Key West Margaritable, and it's five o'clock somewhere. He'll probably write another book, also. Like what? If he if he leaves, <laughs> it's not going to be to go coach somewhere else. You you know you may be right about that. <clears throat> you may be right about that. All right, let me get into uh, some of your text messages. Also, let me reset though. So uh, I had an interview here right off the bat. Show is wide open. We're live. So if you're watching on Facebook or Twitch and, or Twitter and want to comment, you know, you can tweet me at Radio Wide or just comment there on Facebook, Twitch, and hit comment. It pops up on my screen here all in one nice little neat column, and I can see what everybody's saying. Otherwise, give me a shout. Uh, you can text me on the country, please, and text line at 885-ESPN or call me on the Divinity Equipment phone line, Divinity Equipment in Madison and in Jackson, your Kubota dealer. And that's where I've got Robert hanging on line one of the Divinity phone. Robert, thanks for being patient. What's up? Uh, I was uh, reading that Mississippi State has 10 seniors that will be graduating and only one or two of those had any substantial swing time this year. Yeah. And then I looked over at Ole Miss, and Ole Miss has got 35 seniors, two players that I can identify that will go in the draft and then got six players in the transfer portal. Hmm. That's over half their roster that they'll be losing. Uh, looks like they'll be big, big players in the transfer portal. Yeah, in terms of going and getting or, guys to, to transfer to them, you talking about, Robert? Yeah. 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 Yeah, with, they're losing over half their, uh, half their allotment of 85 players. Mm-hmm. Look, I'm, I'm telling you, too, Look at that! Look at their team this year. You know, not only the record. Okay, they go ten and two, but you look at some of those games and how they won them, right? Like you look how they won that game at Tennessee, how they won that game at home against Arkansas, how they won that game on the road in Starkville last week, and and it's telltale signs of veteran teams with old guys who've been around the block who just know how to be know how to position themselves to win a game, how to play as a team, how to do their job, how to block out stuff. And, you know, you can't say enough about how much value that is. They don't have to – when you have that many old guys, I'm talking 22- and 23-year-old guys on your team, they don't all have to be all-conference players. It's just that they're so reliable to do their job. And they've played snaps. They've played in bunches of different stadiums. And they've been on multiple road trips. And when you don't have that, when you have, like we were talking about State the other day, Robert, it's not an excuse, it's a reality. It's why they couldn't win some of those games is because everything they were going through, they're going through it for the first time. Everything was a first. You know, first time you're playing on the road at Arkansas. First time to ever start and play four quarters against Alabama. First time to ever, (laughs) you know, um, go on the road to Auburn. Like everything was a first for so many of them in terms of together as a team. And it just can make all the – there's no question that seniority can make the difference in two and maybe three wins over the course of a year. And, Robert, what you're touching on, when we had senior night the other night for the Battle for the Golden Egg, and I'm sitting up there, I think yesterday I said eight. And maybe I was right because, like, Austin Williams is a senior on the team, but he didn't come out because he's coming back to play more. They ran like eight or nine guys through that tunnel with flowers to hand to their mamas and daddies. And then they all grouped together for a picture, and I looked at it, and that's the first time it really hit me. Man, 
they just don't have senior leadership on this team. They may have leadership, but it's not senior leadership, and it's worth a lot for sure. Robert. Yeah. Well, I think it pretends great for uh, great for state next year, and 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 maybe uh, you know a, a heck of a job that uh, Kevin's going to have to do at Ole Miss if he's still there. Hey, and I'll tell you something else, Robert. The whole um, recruiting landscape deal, and and this goes for Ole Miss, I think also. Now, both state and Ole Miss are going to be able to go and recruit and sign some players, sure. But are you going to go out here and notch the numbers of highly recruited elite ball players as Alabama, LSU, and A and M? No, you're not. Not those three. And you got to play those three every year. State, especially, has to be a home run hitter in the transfer portal. You know, I mean, every you got to go get a Makai Polk difference maker every year in that portal because they are in there. You just got to identify them and then convince them to come play for you, and you can make up some ground for sure. But I, I agree with you, too. If, you, yeah, if, if Ole Miss loses that many, they've got to hit the portal, you would think, to replace some of that at least, you know, and, and not depend on all young players next year. Yeah, I think that's what you were talking about earlier in your interview is that Alabama, they've got four and five stars, but they're not seniors. They're, mm. they're young people that uh, – haven't really gotten into the uh, the leadership position yet. Yeah. That's the difference between them and uh, Georgia. I think you're right. Okay, about that. appreciate it. Thanks, Robert. Appreciate the call. Something in my gut keeps telling me to go with Nick Saban, to go with the quarterback who is Bryce Young, and to go with the upset there. But could be a blowout for all we know. <laughs> All right, over to the text line, Country Please and Text Line, Country Please and Sausage on grocery store shelves throughout the Southeast. And I, I buy mine at Walmart in Tupelo. You can get yours at your local Walmart also. Uh, the number to text, 885-ESPN, or better yet, remember the number, 885-3776. Unnamed texter said, all these dogs fans and media dogs link lane on every opening. <laughs> they do. And um, first of all, welcome to a Mississippi State fans world in 2009, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. Nine straight years of what you're experiencing right now every offseason. And I guarantee, here's the thing about it. Was Mullen open other jobs? Yeah. Only like twice in nine years was there actual traction between Dan Mullen and a potential other job. <laughs> it was like once with Miami where he actually did talk to him, and then one other time when he actually left. But for nine straight years, every time jobs came open, there was this little website over here and this little website over there is like Dan Mullen Mullen to so-and-so Mullen's gonna leave you know I mean it was just constant state fans was so you know now you're dealing with it the other thing is this look y'all the truth is somewhere in the middle some people will tell you on this hand Lane Kiffin is the number one candidate on everybody's list well no he's not 
On the other hand, people will tell you, Lane Kiffin is looking for the first train out of Oxford. No, he's not. The truth is in the middle of those two things. Is Lane Kiffin just trying, dying to get away from Ole Miss? No, he's not. (laughs) If he was, he'd be gone by now. Number two, is Lane Kiffin number one on everybody's list out here for these jobs? No, he's not. (laughs) If he was, he'd be gone by now. There's a reality of it. Same was true back then with Mullen. We have a texture who's on the all-name team. It is Patches O'Houlihan. What is that from? The uh, That's from the Dodgeball movie. I think we discussed that before, right? He's the one who said, if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. And he threw a wrench at a guy. Patches O'Houlihan says, Kiffin is going nowhere. Arch Manning will be at Ole Miss. That is why Kiffin is getting a new contract. I'll tell you this, if you could coach, if you could pretty much guarantee yourself you're going to get to coach that kid, you would stay put, wouldn't you? From what everybody says, he's that good. Of course, he's he's got all the right bloodlines, I would imagine. I've never gotten to see him play in high school or anything like that. I would enjoy getting to watch it. The Rebel Godfather with some choice words for Dan Mullen on the text line, and I can't read all of them. He said, Mullen is an arrogant ass. <laughs> More of that coming up. And your text messages as well. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Stick around. Online at 1059.com and on your radio at ESPN 105.9, The Zone. All right, so it looks like Mark Stoops at Kentucky got himself a contract extension. And so they have stamped him. He's not leaving. Looks like uh, you've also got NFL media saying Urban Meyer has no interest whatsoever in coaching college football again. So he's going to stick with the Jacksonville Jaguars rebuild. So there you go. So there's that. Uh, Jimmy on Twitch says, I might be wrong, but I think only 19 uh, of those seniors for Ole Miss are out of eligibility. The rest can come back. And that's the thing about it, too, Jimmy. It's like it's hard to know who is what. (laughs) It's hard to know because, uh, you know, some schools after the COVID year, when they would list their roster and then put the classifications out beside the names on the roster, they would factor it in. Like if a kid went into 2020 as a junior, well, going into this year, they listed him as a junior because last year didn't count. Others didn't do that. State, for instance, on its roster, if you were a junior like Austin Williams in 2020, for 2021 they listed you as a senior. And you just come back and you're a senior again if you decide to use the COVID year. So team to team, it was kind of hard to figure out who had what, to be totally honest, without just picking up the phone and calling them and asking them or some way to add it up. Junior commented on Facebook and said, Matt, I know why you're picking Alabama. Nick Saban. He's like a cat with nine lives. You just can't count him out. I think that's it. And and 
you know, Cole is right. You can't look at game for game, stat for stat, and say, here's what I'm pointing to is the path to victory for Alabama. Here's what Alabama does well. Here's Georgia's weakness. Here's where they get in. And here's how it fits. And you can't find that. It's just, I've seen it before. <laughs> and my theory is, I mean, and Georgia's been so dominant, but my theory is, that it's a little bit of a tougher gauntlet through the West than it is through the East. And that we'll see that. I'm looking forward to watching it, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, okay, so Rebel Godfather on the Country Pleasing text line at 885-3776 said, Mullen is an arrogant... (laughs) There is no humility there. He was the most disliked coach in the SEC for a reason. Because what I was asking, and that's why he responded that way, was, you know, is Mullen, is it wait for the head job, go find a head coaching job, whether it's drop down into the group of five or just find the right fit somewhere? You know, most of these power five jobs have the element of needing to win the perception every time they make a hire. And so hiring somebody for your school in a power five job who just got fired at Florida is not going to win any press conferences. It's not going to help you in the perception category. So you think, okay, well, if he wants to be a head coach, he's either got to sit out a little bit or he's got to drop down a division and work his way back up. And so the question was, is he humble enough to, let's say, go be the offensive coordinator quarterback's coach at Florida, at, uh, at Auburn? You know, Go be the offensive coordinator quarterback's coach for Brian Kelly at LSU. Is he humble enough to do that? It's hard to imagine. I would agree with you. It's hard to close your eyes, picture Dan Mullen, and imagine him doing that, just being honest. But, you know, maybe he will. Picking Alabama free Americans said, you're not crazy. you got to make sure Alabama gets in the college football playoffs, so they're going to win by 14 or so. <laughs> hmm. What are you saying? You hear that? You hear that, free American? What is that? It's Helicopters. Ernest T. with a text that says, uh, what station and time is Cole's show on? Cole is on in the mornings from 7 to 10 a.m. in Birmingham on WJOX in Birmingham, Alabama. Rep Dog agrees with Roshana that ketchup is for children and it should not be put on turkey sandwiches. Thank you, Rep Dog, for your opinion. <laughs> Flowtown Ghost says, what are you talking about? He says, you mean they suddenly all got hurt. What? You talking about Georgia? No, I don't mean they all got hurt all of a sudden. White Denzel. He texted me and he said, am I the only one where I wish State would do senior night some other game besides the Egg Bowl? I just think when you do that for the game, when it's already emotional, it puts us at a disadvantage. Yeah, I do too, Denzel. I agree with that. I wish say, you know, because... Um, Let's see. This year it worked out where you had a home game the week before hosting uh, the battle for the golden egg. And so the home game the week before, I thought you should go ahead and do senior night there or senior day there. Nobody cares what I think on that stuff. And in some years you may have a, a road game in the next to the last game of the year. And it's hard to do it in early November, you know. So I get it. 
Aquatic Waves. This is a texter named Aquatic Waves. Do you think if Lane Kiffin stays long term, he can continue to win Egg Bowl? Let's let's try to. We can't always. We can't eliminate the term Egg Bowl. You can't just not say it. I get it. I it's still going to come out of my mouth too. But let's all try to say battle for the golden egg. Let's try. Anyway, uh, Aquatic Waves texted and says, say he lands Arch Manning. Next year, it's in Oxford. If he wins that, it's 3-0. and Also, he says, why has Mike Leach struggled in his in-state rivalry games? All time, he's 2-18 and versus his in-state rivals. Who is um, so? It's pretty obvious here. It's obvious at Washington. You get Washington State versus Washington, but when he was at Texas Tech, who is it? I'm not familiar with that. Would it be? Well, because wait a minute, because when he was at Texas Tech, Texas A&M was still in the Big Twelve. But would it be Baylor? Is it Texas Tech Baylor? Is that a big rivalry? Texas. Yeah, I mean, you say that. See, Aquatic Wave says Texas, but let's be honest. I mean, it's not like there's some big rivalry game, Texas Tech versus Texas. I mean, that ain't it. You know, the one in Texas was always Texas versus Texas A&M, and then they quit playing it. That was the rivalry in Texas. It was Texas, Texas A&M. Texas Tech could scream all they want to that it was their big rival every year was Texas. Texas doesn't care about Texas Tech. Never has, never will. I mean, I'm sorry. I know it's different states, okay? But it'd be like saying, well, state Mississippi State's rivalry game is with Alabama. No, it ain't. It's cool. It's good for them, mostly. It's not a rivalry game. Texas, Texas Tech, not a rivalry. I mean, they can say it is. Tech can say it is. Texas doesn't give two flips about Texas Tech. The rivalry in that state was Texas, Texas A&M. So I'm saying, I don't know that I would include that one. <clears throat> yeah, and Aquatic Wave says, I'm not dogging him. I just saw that stat yesterday. couldn't believe it. I will tell you, it is pretty surprising, isn't it? You know, and, and he had he had a really tough time against Washington when he was at Washington State, or his teams did. And now he's 0 for 2 here in the battle for the golden egg. It is peculiar, isn't it? Because – you know, by and large, <clears throat> excuse me. You know, his program has been one that goes and and they've played the role of David a lot. Meaning they've gone and beaten the teams they weren't supposed to a lot. But you've also had some games they lost that you weren't supposed to. You know, it's almost the opposite of what Mississippi State had when they had Dan Mullen for nine years. Is it was right here. Level of performance right here. This is who we are. We go and we beat the teams we're supposed to, but anybody we're not supposed to, we don't beat them. Very seldom was there a big upset where they went and knocked somebody off, you know, when Mullen was here. In two years, he's he beat some teams, man, some ranked teams, some good teams on the road and everywhere else you weren't supposed to. But then you've had the quirky, well, last year you came back home, you couldn't score against Arkansas. This year, you know, you go on the road, you couldn't beat Memphis, you know, stuff like that. This year, losing to LSU at home, you know, it's kind of an up-and-down nature to it. Uh, thanks for your text. Appreciate you listening. I've kind of gotten out of place here. I'm going to do my best to get back 
in sync. Anthony from Tupelo says Mullen should consider pursuing the Giants offensive coordinator opening. Hmm. Yeah, now that seems a that seems like it'd be a fit, huh? The thing is, too, if you had Joe Judge and Dan Mullen in the same press conference, you wouldn't know which one was talking unless you opened your eyes, would you? They really do sound alike, a lot alike. Uh, Tommy Anaheim with a text that says, uh, Lincoln Riley took the high road going to USC. He'll win early in the pack, but he'll have to build the team to compete with the SEC. There's always two to three SEC teams in the top ten. You got to go through the SEC to get a championship. And then he says, Go Brandon Bulldogs. You got a little dedication for Dan Mullen here. And he put me up. Oh, yeah? So, what song is it? Hard to be humble. <laughs> it's a great song. I love it. Okay, so Bill is sending you out with this to the break. That's hour one, and hour two's coming up. Lots of texts and messages to get to. We'll do our best. Y'all stick around. But I did what I've always done, man. Cheer myself up. I picked up my guitar, sat down, wrote me a little song. Now, this is how it feels to be alone at the top of the hill, trying to figure out why. Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. I can't wait to look in the mirror. Time to get back to the Matt Wyatt Show. Live in the studio. Online at thezone1059.com and on your radio at ESPN 105.9 The Zone. All right, here we go. Hour number two of the show. Off and running with you. I'm Matt in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team, they are your home team at Farm Bureau Insurance across the great state of Mississippi. Your hometown heroes, that's your local Farm Bureau Insurance agents. Bama Tommy texted me a minute ago, and he said, Matt, I totally agree with you and your caller, the lack of older players affecting Mississippi State this season. I also agree that that has impacted Alabama's season. So lack of leadership, I believe, is the key to their up-and-down, inconsistent performance. And then he says, Matthew. Sounds like Bill. Bill always calls me Matthew. How about that? Bill calls me Matthew, and Beaver always just says my whole name. He says Matt Wyatt. By the way, do you all know that Beaver had a recent birthday? I guess last week even. Saturday. Yeah. So when you all get a chance, wish him a belated happy birthday. But anyway, Bama Tommy said Matthew. I also have a feeling about Saturday's game. Georgia, I'm reading it here, y'all. I'm just going to read it. Georgia ain't seen what's coming their way. (laughs) Now, he did finish it with an LOL. So I don't know if he's really, really serious about this or not. More on that (laughs) in just a bit. All right, we're going to start Hour 2 the same way we started Hour 1, and that's with a special guest on the Divinity Equipment phone line, Divinity Equipment in Madison and in Jackson, your Kubota dealer, the oldest Kubota dealer in the United States of America, is right here. It's Divinity. It means they've been doing it better, longer than anyone else. And on your phone right now and on your radio right now, the former SEC Player of the Year, two years running back in 1991. He's in the Florida Gators Hall of Fame and had a 14-year NFL career. 
He was, in my opinion, Steve Spurrier's best quarterback that ever played for him. Shane Matthews on your radio right now. Shane, happy belated Thanksgiving to you. I hope you didn't eat too much. Not too much, Matt. I appreciate you having me on, buddy. Yeah, it's good to talk to you also. I just wanted to catch up. I know Florida has obviously been in the news. Um, Napier, Billy Napier, is going to be the Gators' head man. How's everybody feeling about it down in Gator country? Well, I think everybody's excited. They don't know a whole lot about him. They know he's been under the saving tree at Alabama, at Clemson with Dabo, and supposedly a relentless recruiter. And mm-hmm. uh, You know, the last few years we haven't had tremendous talent, uh, normal Florida talent, I should say. So I think I think the Gator Nation's excited for a change and uh, ready for Billy Napier. You know, the relentless recruiter part of it, Shane, um, without kind of rehashing what everybody has said and feels like they know about the previous staff under Dan Mullen. I mean, really, that don't you think for Scott Strickland, the folks making the hire, that was priority number one here, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, I think Dan's a really good football coach. Uh, but, you know, the talent has kind of gone down, and a lot of people said, you know, with the way the season has gone this year, pretty much the entire roster are uh, kids that they recruited. Uh, he won early when he got here with a lot of Jim McElwain's crew. Um, but, yeah, I think when Scott Strickland sat down and they made the decision to get rid of uh, Dan, they wanted to go find a guy that recruiting was number one on his list and a guy that has a great track record. And, you know, Kirby Smart said the other day in one of his pressers, I don't remember what game it was, he says you can't outcoach recruiting. And I – I'm a big believer in that as well. Well, and shoot, man, Georgia would be a probably example A of that, not to mention what Alabama's done over the years. But uh, And that's the thing about it too, Shane, as you've you know watched Florida now go through this coaching change, um, the, the landscape of the SEC, I, do you feel like – you help me, am I overstating it if I were to say if Georgia goes in there and wipes the floor with Alabama – we could be seeing a little bit of a shift happening right before our eyes. Am I getting the cart before the horse? Uh, no, you could be correct. I do think Georgia's a lot better than Alabama this year. I think uh, you've seen Alabama, quote, struggle a little bit in some of these games. I mm-hmm. think their line of scrimmage is, isn't what it's always been. Uh, they still have tremendous skill players, in my opinion. But, yeah, I, I, I think Georgia is – definitely the team to beat this year in the SEC. Now, that may change next year. Alabama may be back, but um, these are two clearly the two best teams in the league, and they deserve to be playing for the championship. Yeah. Shane Matthews on your radio right now, former Florida Gators quarterback. You can follow him on Twitter if you want. He's at SM9er. Shane, you, you played for Coach Spurrier and threw it around the field in the early 90s, throwing it around when other teams weren't. Um, you know, you could say, you know, precursor to some of the things that came about later, whether it's air raid or spread option a, a decade later, stuff like that. Um, right now, if, if I were to ask you, what kind of offensive system does does a program like Florida need in 2021? What do they need to be doing offensively? Deal where the threat or the talk of the town, talk of college football, but you don't see any of the top teams in America now 
with a dual-threat quarterback. Now, a guy who can run around a little bit and make some plays, but they're not calling quarterback power for him. Mm-hmm. Bryce Young, I mean, you, you look at the Oklahoma quarterbacks, they're, they're elite passers. Uh, I think Will Rogers is an outstanding thrower. Look at McCorral at Ole Miss. Yeah, Corral runs around, but they don't call a bunch of power plays. He scrambles. Right. So I think the, the, the days of the dual threat guy are going away. You've got to have an elite passer to win. And I'm not a real does or what his philosophy or what he wants to do at the University of Florida, but I think he needs to go find two or three guys, whether you know they're, they're kids out of high school or kids out of the portal, kids that can flat out throw the football because I think that's how you win these days. And and then recruiting around it, which, yeah, which kind of puts a spotlight back on that line of scrimmage, doesn't it? Which you already mentioned. Yeah, it does. I mean, in the SEC, you need a line of scrimmage, but you got to have playmakers too, and you need team speed. Uh, I think Florida's team speed, from watching it from the radio booth this year, has not been great. Uh, you know, I, I was texting with a lot of my Ole Miss and Mississippi State guys during the Egg Bowl. You know. I don't know if Florida has a skilled player on offense that could start at State or Ole Miss. Um, I, I love both teams' wide receiver cores. I think both teams have tremendous running backs, and their damn quarterbacks are really, really good. Uh, so I think it's a big rebuild for Billy Napier. He's got to go out and find some players and find some team speed. How about that? That's a heck of a statement right now. Shane uh, Matthews on your radio uh, looking at a, a new deal. Uh, it's going on down there at Florida. Are, it, just in terms of the reaction locally, Shane, fan base, people out on the street, message boards, are they all in on Napier? Everybody likes the hire? Yeah, I believe so. Uh, you know, there's always those ones out there that, that they say it's not a home run splash hire or what have you. But, you know, he, he's he's turned down some jobs supposedly in the past, waited for the right situation. Uh, suppose he's very, very organized. He's all about the culture of the locker room, the relationships, and obviously the recruiting. I, I think when you when you think of Billy Napier right now, the number one thing you hear is is his relentless uh, recruiting. And as I said earlier in the show, that's what the University of Florida needs right now. We need to be bringing in you know top notch players like the other teams in the Southeastern Conference are. You know, and Shane, I find myself wondering then too, like, how does he get anything done in such a short amount of time? Because, you know, when you were playing, when I was playing, ever how many years ago? There was one signing day. It was in February, but now you've got this December signing day coming up in in basically two weeks from right now. And you know, I don't you have to wonder, like, how much time does he have any to, to get anything done between now and that first signing day? Yeah, that new signing day is definitely going to hamper uh, his recruiting class, and, and you just got to live with it because, you know, there's still the current Gator coaching staff that's going to coach in the bowl game, and they're going to, they're out on the, the road recruiting for the Gators right now, but are they recruiting the players that Billy Napier wants them to recruit? Mm. And, you know, it's just a weird situation. But, um, you know, I think he's going to have to jump into the portal a little bit here and there to see if he can um, bring in some players. Obviously, you don't want to build your entire program off the portal, but in year one, he may have to do that. Shane, your what's your personal thoughts as you've seen this emergence of this transfer portal and what it started as two, three years ago, now what it has become and open transfers? Do you like it? Good, bad, indifferent? How do you feel? 
Oh, I, I still, I'm not real sure, Matt. Um, I, I do know this. I think it's good for coaches because in this situation right here, you know, Billy Napier in the old days would come in and he stuck with everybody on the roster. Where now, you know, and if you if you take a kid off scholarship, say, you know what, we're not going to renew your scholarship. I don't know if people know that those are year to year. And if you if you take away a kid's scholarship, and that kid is from Madison Central, well, you ain't never going to be able to recruit that area again because mm-hmm. those people are going to be upset. But now you can sit down in an exit meeting when the season's over and say, hey, you know, little Jimmy, you're outside linebacker. You're, you're number two in the depth chart. But, you know, we got this guy coming in who's a five-star. We got this other guy. You're going to be competing with these guys. You know, you can stay and compete, or we can help you in the transfer portal try to find a better spot for you. So I think it's a way coaches can basically cut guys and not have to live with all the issues of them taking away their scholarship. Sure. Shane Matthews on your radio, record setter at Florida, SEC Player of the Year in 1990-91, back-to-back years under Steve Spurrier. You know, Shane, I'm curious how you would uh, describe this so the offense you played in under Coach Spurrier at Florida in the early 90s, throwing it around, compared to, like, right now, if somebody says air raid, like what they're doing at State, you can kind of picture it. If somebody says RPO offense, we can kind of picture Lane Kiffin's offense or, you know, Lincoln Riley. What was what was the offense you were running for Coach Spurrier in the early 90s? It was a vertical uh, down the field passing game. Um, we were under center. I never played in the shotgun. I used to beg for the shotgun. He didn't go to the shotgun until I think Danny Werfel's second year, a couple years after I left. Uh, but yeah, it, it's, uh, it's basically, you know, take your steps, let it go. You had to be an accurate passer, but we, we tried to attack teams vertically down the field, get mismatches. It's, it's not much different than what you see now. Um, but we, you know, I think Alabama's offense right now probably is as close to what Coach Furrier did. I think they do some wonderful route combinations and things down the field, especially last year with, with uh, Mac Jones and that crew. Uh, when you watch the air raid, you know, I like the air raid, and, and I think Leach has finally started running the ball there late in the year with Mississippi State, which has helped them. I think Will Rogers is extremely accurate, but sometimes the air raid, drives me nuts because they don't take enough shots down the field. Mm. A lot of it is horizontal, shallow crosses, and those type things. But Leach uh, has done a tremendous job with it. But, yeah, going back to the Spurrier's offense, it's just more vertical down the field stuff. You know, and I remember, to hitting those vertical routes on the outside and, and thinking, man, they're lining up their outside receivers even inside the numbers, right? So you'd have that room. Yeah. To, to throw him out to the sideline, which not a lot of teams were doing that before you guys did it. Am I right? No, you're right. You know, a lot of it was based on our spacing, different yeah. alignments, as you just mentioned, with the receivers. Um, you know, nowadays you see teams just lining up three yards from the boundary on every every snap, and I don't like that. I, I like different types of formations, you know, uh, tight formations, spread them out here and there, mix it all up. Uh, but, you know, nowadays teams want to go real fast. They don't like to huddle. They got, you know, just a handful of plays. And, you know, one thing I admire about what Leach does and, and why they're a good throwing football team is because they practice it on air. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many teams, and we used to do that for about an hour. 
we would just throw routes on air, the entire route tree, with no defense, nothing, to get our timing, our accuracy, our anticipation, going to spacing. And I think the air raid does a really good job of that. That's interesting stuff, talking with Shane Matthews. Um, Shane, back to modern day. So Scott Strickland, or one of our own, uh, who I think a lot of, and, you know, and of course went from state to Florida to be the AD, and, of course, he oversaw you know, firing McElwain, hiring Mullen. Now it's firing Mullen, hiring Napier. Um, as fair as we can be, how do we evaluate the job that Scott's done so far and kind of what are your thoughts on the way he has handled everything? Well, I mean, I've never had to fire anybody. I've been fired from, you know, cut from some teams, so I know that's a tough situation, especially with his relationship he had with Dan, but it's something that had to be done. Uh, I, I, I like Scott a lot. I think he's done a pretty good job. There's been some issues with the women's basketball program here and there. I, I don't really follow it. But this, this, is, this hire has to work for him. Mm. And he feels like he's hit a home run with Billy Napier. I think he understands how important the recruiting part of it is. You know, he, you got to give Scott credit, too. He, he, we, we didn't have very good facilities, Matt, at all. And people didn't understand that. We don't, we don't, we still don't have a, football standalone facility but we're moving into one in april and scott had a lot to do with that uh he he understood the vision you had to have especially in our conference when everybody else had them you know it's hard to believe um when my son was in high school we went to all the sec schools you know when Did we lose him? Uh, Sounds like we lost him. Still well, there he is. There he is. Oh, my bad. I'm sorry. I'm on a back road here uh, <laughs> coming into Gainesville. Yeah, we lost but, uh, you right yeah, where I'm you were talking to... about. Uh, you said that you and your son went to all the other SEC schools, and then we lost you, kind of cut off right after that. Um, I took my son. We went to a bunch of one-day camps throughout the Southeastern Conference and ACC and and we got, uh, when I saw that Ole Miss and Mississippi State and these other schools, even North Carolina and NC State had better facilities than Florida, I was like, this ain't good. Mm. And so give Scott a lot of credit. Scott has uh, built us a new baseball park. It's not like duty, but it's still a nice ballpark. And, you know, our, our football facility is going to be outstanding. Yeah. It really is interesting. And, and the whole idea of not having an indoor facility at florida too shane was it just one of those things where over the years people were like look we're in florida why do we need to build an indoor facility i mean i guess was it as simple as that we we, we do have an indoor uh it opened up probably 10 years ago okay but you still had to you still had to take a bus from the locker room when it was bad weather mm. so now the indoor will be attached to the football standalone facility uh, which is something that we have needed for years. Sure. And, you know, it's just one of those things where you, you're basically just eliminating um, obstacles in recruiting. I mean, that's what a lot of the facility stuff is. You're just eliminating obstacles to make it that much easier in a process to get players in and to impress them and get them to come to school. Because in terms of some of these others, they certainly have a, a hill to climb at Florida. I know they do. Uh, how important – I know it's interim – Okay, so Greg Knox is the interim. How important was beating Florida State without a head coach and everything? 
Well, it, it is extremely important. Uh, I mean, it gets us to a bowl game, and we're part of uh, you know the 13 teams in the league going to a bowl. Um, you don't want to lose to your arch rival. Yeah. I'll tell you, it was it was a bad football game to watch. Neither team is very good, but we're just a little bit better than they were. But it was it was definitely important in the long run uh, to beat those guys. Yeah, young guys get practice for the bowl and all that stuff. Shane, uh, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you. Um, for me, as a kid who kind of grew up watching you play, wanting to be able to throw the ball like you did, it's cool that you give me some time on my radio show. So let me just say thank you, and on behalf of our listeners, we appreciate it also. It's good to catch up. Anytime, Matt. Appreciate it, buddy. Take care. You too. Talk to you soon. That's Shane Matthews, former Florida quarterback. Of course, 14 years in the NFL in the with NFL. Uh, three different teams. What, Chicago, Washington, and Buffalo, I believe. I think he had a year with the Bills. But, you know, three years as a starting quarterback under Spurrier at Florida. And, you know, Spurrier, I, 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 may, have, I may have misspoke earlier. I did say I thought he was the best quarterback that Spurrier ever had at Florida. Well, Danny Werfel, <laughs> okay, was pretty good under Spurrier at Florida. Of course, they, they won a championship, and he won a Heisman. Okay, but Danny Werfel didn't spend 14 years in the NFL. So it may be possible that maybe Danny, who was a great player, unbelievable individual, it may be possible that he had a even a better team around him than Shane had in some of those early years in the early 90s under uh, Spurrier at Florida. But, but they could light you up. <clears throat> Offensively, they would chunk it down the field. And, and Shane was one of those who was just tough as all get out. You know, that's another thing, too, I think, that gets missed when we go back and look at quarterbacks historically. As time goes by, you start to go back, you look at games they won, games they lost. And then you look at stats and, and awards and certain things, but you forget, if you were to go back and watch, it was a different era. And those guys took a pounding, okay? They got hit a lot. And it was a time, too, you talk talking about early 90s. Really, the 90s is a decade. Quarterbacks didn't get protected very much. There was no such thing as <clears throat> don't hit their legs when they're in a passing posture, <laughs> No, just hit them however you want. Hit them as hard as you want. It doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, so <clears throat> that was a tough, tough dude. And you, you know, you you spend that amount of time playing football. Not only you know high school, college, but then go spend that amount of years and and threw a bunch of touchdowns. He had thirty one touchdowns in his NFL career, and had a you know a couple of years where he played a. Bunch of ball games. Had a couple of years where he started seven games in Chicago. He started seven games one year in Washington. And, you know, that's a tough, tough, tough individual. I got a lot of respect for those guys. So Napier's in at Florida. And, um, look, I think everybody knows that this is a hire for Scott Strickland, the AD at Florida. That is really, really important for it to succeed in terms of his own longevity at, at the university. Now, Running an athletics department, I've never done it, obviously. Can't imagine what it's like to balance and juggle every sport that is and needs to be a priority. But there's no way around the fact that football is the bell cow. And it's the main thing. 
And that old saying, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. You better win at the main thing, too. So this this hire of Billy Napier, it, it needs to go well for Scott Strickland also. I, it passes the smell test to me. I think it's the right thing. Let me know what you think. Stick around. After these messages, we'll be right back. Awesome episode for you today. And it's streaming right now online at thezone1059.com. And on your radio on ESPN 105.9. The Zone. And Ba, 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 ba. Back. I'm back with you. Y'all like the lights in the studio? In the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio? If you're watching online on Facebook or Twitch, you can see those. You like those? I even broke out the Christmas tree. Now, this is a little teeny tiny It's about, oh, three feet tall. And it's a pre-lit Christmas tree, but the, the, but the lights ain't lit anymore. They don't work anymore. So I strung new lights on it. Charlie Browned it, and we got our own Christmas tree there here in the studio. Uh, Elizabeth on the Facebook live stream says, if I were Mullen, I would take it easy. Coach my son if he chooses to play football and join my family. I think he's set for life as far as income goes. He certainly deserves a break for giving himself uh, for this many years as a college head football coach, retire at the lake house, right off into the sunset. Be nothing wrong with that, would it? It's his life, his money. He can do what he wants. Hats off. Yeah, I think I think a lot of the coaches now, you know, we've gotten into a situation. The whole thing is, I mean, it's as bloated as bloated can get regarding uh, coaching and salaries and buyouts. And it's the bubble of all bubbles. And if you can get in it, it's good work. It's good work to get in there and, Get one of those contracts and get yourself fired. Sometimes many of these guys, the best thing that ever happened to them is uh, to get fired. Anybody heard of Char- heard from Charlie Weiss anytime soon? Remember that guy from 10, 15 years ago? Big contracts. Fired, fired, fired. See ya! <laughs> it's good work if you can get it. Uh, Jason in Flagstaff with a text that says... Question. No, let me go back. He was talking about the Florida thing. He said, I kind of think even my simple, you know what, could have been a Heisman candidate with the uh, wide receivers that Werfel had. All five of his 96 wide receivers started in the NFL for a few years. Yeah, they were super duper, no question about it. Um, He said, a question, if it doesn't start well, will Strickland cut off the mob or let it fester and eventually cripple the team like it did on Mullen? Yeah, I don't know. Not really sure. Uh, about that. B-Dog 2 texted and said, wasn't Shane Matthews the quarterback who threw four or five interceptions in a loss to Mississippi State in Starkville? I don't remember. I do know that during that time, early 90s, State beat Florida one year. Was that 93 or was it 92? I'd have to go back and look it up. Kenny Don't Call Me Ken says uh, Shane was a Cleveland High Wildcat for a few years. Yeah, if I remember correctly, Kenny his dad was a coach, and they were in the Delta at Cleveland and then went to Pascagoula, where he finished his high school career. I think that's right. And a lot of people don't know this, but Shane Matthews grew up an Ole Miss fan. He grew up going to Ole Miss games, tailgating with his family in the Grove. Sure did. How's that happen? 
Shane Matthews and Peyton Manning both grew up Ole Miss fans. <laughs> one goes to Florida, and the other one goes to Tennessee. <clears throat> Two pretty good ones right there for sure. Uh, hey, look, there's a lot of text, too, going back. Nick and Kyle and Rebel Greg and Chris and Anthony. I'm going to get to all those, but right now I'm going to jump over to the phone line real quick. The Divinity Equipment phone line, Divinity Equipment in Madison and in Jackson. Mad Tiger on line one. Hey, Mad Tiger, thanks for calling. What's up? Hey, man, how are you all today? Just right. Look, uh, I got an itch. Um, you know, well, I say the fans and some media people, they criticize the players uh, for transferring or choosing not to play at the end of the season because of their prospective uh, status in the NFL. And when the coaches leave, like in a situation like this, Notre, right now Notre Dame has a legitimate chance to go to the playoffs mm-hmm. and for a coach to leave and, and, and take that away from the players of an opportunity to play for a national championship because he calls the plays, if I'm not mistaken, that Notre Dame, the coach that left Notre Dame to go to LSU. Mm-hmm. I'm not knocking him for taking the job, but how can you quit on your players and you're in a situation where you might be in the final four teams mm-hmm. of the uh, college playoffs? Uh, I find that disturbing. Uh, and I know he has to recruit and all of this, but you made a commitment to those players and you demand that they do the same thing. You know, mm-hmm. I, I just... I got a little problem with it. Um, I mean, I know the money is big and everything, but you walked out on your players. Well, and Mad Tiger, think about this. Okay, so Notre Dame is ranked right now sixth in the college football playoff after the regular season, one spot behind Michigan, two spots behind Cincinnati. Okay, both those teams have a game to play. So what? let's just go hypothetical. What if Notre Dame had – been ranked in the top four? What if the committee had ranked Notre Dame in the top four? Would he have done the same thing? I don't know. But now Notre Dame has a special exception. If you read the bylaws, Article 4, if certain things happen, they're automatically in the playoffs. They're the only school with that with that exception. Yeah. If you read the playoff board the way they have it set up. If Notre Dame is ranked in the top eight, uh, they have options over other teams that they're automatically in the playoffs. Isn't that something? I need to learn what that is. See, and I guess, you know, they're not undefeated. They are 11-1, and and their only loss is to Cincinnati, who is undefeated, and they got them right now at number four, and nobody really arguing that. But, see, Cincinnati's about to play Houston, in the AAC title game, and that's a what if you know you never know. Michigan's right. about to, who's Michigan playing in the in the Big Ten title we'll game? Let's talk it up. I'm not mistaken, but say Cincinnati loses to Houston, Michigan loses to Wisconsin. Yep. Uh, Notre Dame could could basically be number five, and they move them into the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, but check those check those bylaws out for the. Um, 
Okay. For the national championship. Hey, but can, Notre Dame. Uh, Matt Tiger, I wanted, to, I, I wanted to ask you a question that is unrelated to what you called about. It's something, and so I, I don't mean to catch you off guard, but it's something you may know. No, no. I saw this this morning. I started watching it, and I ran out of time. I wanted to educate myself on why it is that FAMU is in the FCS playoffs, but Jackson State is not. Jackson State's going to play in the SWAC championship game, and then if they win it, they play what in the Celebration Bowl. But and and so I was, it it was something about going way back to you know to basically. What the seventies, maybe when some schools made the decision to opt in to try to go into the FCS playoffs, and others like Jackson State said, "No, we're not going to do the FCS playoffs. We'll just host a championship game if we win and play in a celebration bowl." Do you know why that is the case, or, or anything about that? Now, now, I I don't know why it's like that now for Florida State to be in the Southwestern Athletic Conference. The NEAC didn't make that decision. That was the conference they went in before they came to the SWAC. Um, okay. I, I don't. I don't. I really don't understand that. That that, that throws me for a loop, Matt. Yeah. Well, it does me too. It does me too. And I, I need to ask and do some more reading because that's what I'm. I'm going. All right. Hold on. So Jackson State, they're going to host the SWAC title game. If they win it, they go to the Celebration Bowl. But that's it. But you got FAMU who is going to the FCS playoffs and, and going to be a part of that whole deal, which is they're all at the same level, but how'd they get in it? I, I just don't – I was just curious if you knew. And I, the other thing was their conference affiliation, the MEAC. I thought the MEAC did the same thing the SWAC did, but maybe I'm wrong. No, they did not. They okay. did not. They did not. The SWAC was the only one that opted out of the 1AA playoffs. But now they are a member of the SWAC. Now, unless they made an agreement before they came over that if they had an opportunity to go to the playoffs, they would. But uh, the playoffs start next week, right? right? I mean, this week, right? Yeah, this week. So if you play in the championship game, you can't, you can't go to the playoffs. But if you're a member of the SWAC, don't... It had to have been, I mean, it's just me saying this hypothetically, that they made an agreement before they came to the SWAC that if they had an opportunity to go to the playoffs and not win the SWAC, that they could go. I mean, that's the only way I could see it. That's the only way, right, unless, yeah. It's somewhere in the agreement, there has to be an asterisk somewhere, and I'm just, I want to find out where it is, you know, so that's what I'm trying to Because they've only been in the SWAC, this is their first uh, they may have played some SWAT teams last during the spring. Uh, I'm not certain. I think they did. Jackson may have just played them. I'm not sure. Mm. But this is their first year in the SWAT. I don't understand that. Yeah. Well, if you find something out, let me know, and I'll continue to ask around. I will. And see if we can find something out. We'll zero in on it. But, uh, yeah, you do get okay. playoffs. Check out, check out those playoffs. Yeah, check out those playoff uh, deals there where it's number four. Okay. And uh, I thought I remember them saying that Notre Dame was the only school that had an exception. Okay. So okay. if certain things were to happen, they would automatically be in the playoffs. Okay. All right. I'll check it out. Mad Tiger, thank you. Good to talk to you. So let's see. Okay. Right. So the first round of the FCS playoffs was actually last weekend, and Southeast Louisiana beat. FAMU. 
38 to 14. That was two nine and three teams. Florida A and M's nine and three. South Sela Southeast Louisiana's nine and three, and Sela won at 38 14. So that actually eliminated FAMU. And I want to thank Jeff on the uh, Twitch live stream for pointing that out to me as we were talking there. But still, I'm wondering how. Like, okay, so you're in the swag, I thought, but you got in the playoffs. Why? There had to be some kind of something something there's an asterisk in there somewhere i'd just be curious to know what that was okay when we come back i'm gonna hit the phone line and several people hanging on so you just keep hanging if you can and we will we'll have a few minutes left here with you quite a few left here in hour number two in the farm bureau insurance studio farm bureau go with the home team stick around Show on the 50,000 watt sports powerhouse, ESPN 105.9 The Zone, and back with you. I'm Matt in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Uh, good times in here in the Farm Bureau Studio because uh, the Homecoming Queen brought me a piece, a little piece of cheesecake. It's one of those deals where there was there was a big cheesecake, and now it was this big pan, and there's only one little piece left. And she's like, I want this out of the refrigerator. Someone's got to eat this. And so she has guilted me into partaking of those calories. Um, but it's good. It went good with my coffee from High Point Roasters in New Albany, Mississippi. Get your coffee there. If you don't, you're missing out. It's highpointroasters.com. You can order it. It'll show up at your house. Or go go there. It's in New Albany. They roast it locally right there. Dan the coffee, man. Good stuff. All right. Over to the phone line, Divinity Equipment phone line, Divinity Equipment Madison and in Jackson. JR on line two. What's up, JR? Thanks for calling. Hey, this is JR, and I was wondering about these coaches, the coaching carousel. Yep. You got a position like LSU, and Ogeron went there. He won a national championship for him, and then you know that was a pretty amazing season. And you would think I would have bought him a little more grace with the alumni, yeah. But he was—they were like, you, know, "You lose to state this year, buddy. You're gone." You know, yeah, right. <laughs> I, I just at a at a place like a Florida or an LSU. It seems like they're going to want an eight-win season, or they're going to want somebody else. And I don't understand how they can expect that with the ebbs and flows of recruiting, and you know, and the other teams in the conference. Yeah. Okay. So it's, you bring up an interesting point, Jr. And you know, I feel like there's some nuance in the answer and the description of the answer to. That's to what you're bringing up here, and that is it, sometimes it's more than just losing some games. Sometimes it's not, okay? But, you know, I think 
it, it's a program direction thing. I've heard athletics directors and others describe that in the past. It's a it's a trajectory thing, a program uh, stability thing. Okay, and for, for I remember this this I remember this very same argument. Yeah, back a few about a decade ago with Tennessee. Yeah. Tennessee had a coach, I forget who it was, and he was a winner. But they decided to run him off and get somebody else. And they hadn't really done much since. Yeah, Fulmer. So oh, wasn't it? It was you Philip make Fulmer. sure which trajectory you're taking. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is definitely some truth to that. And, you know, it's it, there's no question that some places they kind of get caught up in the immediacy and not looking at the long. I mean, you know, one example on the other side of it would be Jim Harbaugh at Michigan, right? But but let's, right. let's take a take out instead of just looking at it on the surface. Let's take out the the scalpel here and dissect this thing just a little bit. You know, Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. What was his Achilles heel that he kept getting made fun of in these early years? Ohio State. He couldn't beat Ohio State. Well, okay, specifically, like if you're just looking at it without bias. Well, Ohio State's been recruiting at as high or higher a level than anybody else in college football, including Michigan. Uh, Ohio State's a very good program. You could be a good, you know, a pretty solid program yourself and not beat Ohio State, okay? Yeah, there's pressure to beat him, and oh, it's he's never going to beat him. But at the same time, you're not beating Ohio State, but what was Michigan doing? Every year they would maybe a spot or two better in recruiting. They didn't make any huge jumps, but every year they were kind of steady in recruiting. They didn't have off-the-field discipline issues. They didn't have a rash of players getting arrested. They didn't have coaches out here divorcing their wives, hooking up with four or five different women, taking selfies and posting it to social media like Ed Ogeron did. You didn't have any of that crap. It, everything is pretty on pretty inside the building – Everything was on pretty solid footing other than you just weren't beating Ohio State, and they stuck with him. And and it may pay off, and now they just beat him, you know. So I guess that's what I'm saying is, like, if the whole house is in order and the people who are in charge realize the whole house is in order, they're less likely to make that quick knee-jerk decision. But when you look at Ogeron at, at LSU – Man, that thing was melting down immediately after they won the national championship. His best assistants couldn't get away from him fast enough. The very next fall, COVID comes around. I know COVID was weird, but LSU had more players than anybody in the country opting out, quitting, didn't want to play. You know, he goes and hires Bo Pelini, who was a joke of a hire, and immediately started running his mouth publicly about how much greater a coach he was than the guy they just ran off. All that stuff, it, it just, plus then the off-field stuff, okay, with him personally and everything else, it was a, it was a meltdown situation. Is, and I think that, was, that played as much a role in it as losing a few ball games did. Does that make sense to you? It makes sense. Another thing is that LSU alumni, that's a snake pit. It ain't no doubt. <laughs> they've run off. They've run off winners before. It ain't no doubt. And I'm thinking whoever, whoever goes to Florida, they're gonna find it. It's full of snakes, big old snakes too. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to put it, Jr. Thank hey. you for calling. Yeah, it's a snake pit. Well, speaking of on line three, 
LSU 10 is hanging on the line. Hello, LSU 10. What's up? Uh-oh, I think we lost him. LSU 10, you there? I don't know. I'm just going to tell you that uh, I'm here. Okay, all right. Yeah, I'm here. He's listening on delay. I'm here. All right, go ahead. The reason that the swag doesn't participate, the reason that swag doesn't participate in the playoffs anymore, was when it was a year that Steve McNair was a senior, and they went—I forget where they went—played and got shellacked, and and they hadn't played in the playoffs since. And no swag team in football has ever won a playoff game. Oh, really? Is that right? In the FCF, hey, thanks for the call, LSU ten. We got to split because I don't know what is going on with our connection there. That's kind of odd. Um, hmm. Okay, so it goes back to McNair. It got beat and said no swag team has ever won a playoff game. Ever? How about that? I need to look that up. Thank you, LSU ten. Now. If y'all are listening, that could have been one of those things, too, where somebody calls and you're talking on the phone, but you're also listening on the radio. Well, there is a delay between the two. So if you're listening on the radio, we're going to be out of sync. So when you call us, if you can, if it's possible, put that phone right up to your ear and talk to me through it, and it'll go better for both of us. Hmm. Well, we're talking about fam. You got into the and did play last week in the FCS playoffs. But and it was round one and lost to southeastern Louisiana uh thirty-eight to fourteen. And the story of that game was Southeast Louisiana was up on FAMU twenty-four to nothing at halftime. They were up thirty-one to nothing after three quarters. I mean, it just wasn't a ball game. Whew. Yeah, I mean, that's a drubbing. And that's a 9-3 and three football team in Florida A&M against their schedule. One of their three losses was to uh, to Jackson State. Was that a one-point game at the beginning of the year? I believe that's right. Anyhow, yeah, so there you go. Uh, let's see. Let me get to some of the texts. Tyler on the country pleasing text line says, Matt, do you think the implementation of the 25 scholarship limit is partially responsible for the fall of traditional powers this year? Injuries, targeting, ejections seem to take more of a toll. Well, you know, Tyler, the thing is the 25 limit's been around for a little while. It's just that this year it's also paired with COVID allowed more teams to have older, experienced players. And a lot of times, experience will cancel out talent. Not all the time, but sometimes it does. And you're seeing the results of the transfer portal also. And I'm telling you, it, maybe we need to, maybe what you're doing, Tyler, is thinking very intellectually along kind of the long game long-form terms here of what's going on in college football. And if what we're seeing is if a result of this stuff is more parity and a few more upsets and a a few more jostling around the top of the rankings instead of always the bottom, then I'm all for it. And I don't care who is which. 
because Clemson has done this. They've come down. Cincinnati's up, and Oklahoma State's up, and this year for Ole Miss, a very experienced team. They're up. In the studio. Live and local. This is the Matt Wyatt Show. Talking about sports from around the world and right here at home. Streaming to you at the zone1059.com and on your radio on ESPN 105.9. The Zone. I'm going to fix a casserole. Yes, indeedy dandy do. It's the casserole hour. Hour three of the show. Hour three presented by Overstreet Properties in Starkville, Starkville, Stark Vegas. However you want to say it. And that's where you go. Anything residential in and around Starkville. Place to live permanently, place to stay, condos for ball game weekends, or leasing an apartment if you're taking classes at state, whatever it is. Anything residential in Starkville, that's where you go. Overstreet Properties. Tell Kane Overstreet I said, hey, tell him I sent you. Welcome in here to the Bureau. I'm connected to you because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi, C Spire. Customer-inspired. In about four hours from right now, you're going to have a dinner, banquet, and a ceremony to crown this year's Connerly Trophy winner for the best college player in Mississippi. You'd think it'd be Matt Corral, but I don't know. (laughs) But you'd think it would be. So um, that one tonight going to happen, and we'll know those details. Voting, who wins it, who doesn't, who says what. We'll have some of that for you. Uh, on tomorrow's show. Um, if you would like to be a part of the show, I hope you will be. And I got different ways for you to do it, kind of opening up some lanes for you to drive on into here. First of all, if you're on the live stream on Twitch or Facebook, howdy! Feel free to comment there, type it up, hit comment, and it pops up on my screen right here. I can see uh, all of them. Jimmy was talking about Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame, and he said Kelly made a commitment to those players. I don't think he made a $95 million commitment to them. Well, maybe so. It just depends on how you value money. Um, And, Jimmy, I I get it. You know, the world we live in, we, we, in a lot of ways, by our own actions, we kind of show what our priorities are. And there's very many people who would agree with you that, yeah, people, people over here, men, young men, boys. I recruit them, families, men and women, families of these young men. I recruit them. I got a commitment to them. But none of them are more important than $95 million in my pocket. See, Jimmy, that's what you just said. And that's, I'm not going to call it okay. I'm just going to say that's normal for, for this world, for people, for human beings. That's typical. That's that's go with the flow thinking right there. Me first. Yeah, I care about you. I'll put you first to a degree, but then there will come a time where real, really ultimately it's, it's about me. Put me first. My pocket, my bank account, my retirement, my ancestors, not ancestors, my descendants. That's what I meant to say. Ancestors didn't get any of that $95 million. Descendants. <laughs> My estate. Me, 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 me. Money, 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 me, me, money, money. You see, I just wrote a song. But what I'm telling you is, I think the people who go through life the happiest, maybe even happy is not the right word, because joy and happiness are two different things. The people who go through life with the most consistent joy 
the most unshakable joy, I believe, are the ones who would say, and not just say it, not just hang on to it, but actually believe it, live it, give feet to it in their life, are the people who would say to you, there's no amount of money that's more important than these people. <laughs> Wait a minute, Matt. Hold on, Matt. Are, are you even insinuating that you would turn it down? $95 million? Just because you feel like it's the right thing to do to keep coaching these kids because you're one week away, you need two teams to lose, and you're in the playoff, even though you don't think they're going to lose? You'd give up $95 million in a contract to stay and continue to coach your team, hoping, even though you're not playing because you don't have a championship game because you're not in a conference at Notre Dame, you're just hoping Cincinnati and Michigan lose, which would put you in the top four, and you'd turn. Here's what I'm telling you. You know, at a time in my life, I wouldn't hesitate. I'd take the $95 million. But not anymore. Not anymore. Now, maybe that's easy for me to say because I don't have the option. (laughs) There's no pressure on me to make that decision. I can go as hypothetical as you can. (laughs) Mm. And I'm sure those things are different. And it's not right for me to make a character assessment of somebody based on their decision. And that's not what I'm doing. I'm just saying that I, I, with what I said earlier, I will hang on to that. I will hang on to that. I will hang on to the idea that I think the people who have the, the most peace when they lay their head down to go to sleep at night and the most joy when they wake up in the morning, I think are the ones who put people first. Not money. That's what I think. All right. Over to the phone line. Divinity Equipment phone line. Divinity Equipment Madison and in Jackson. Mad Tiger on line one. What did we find out, Mad Tiger? Hey, Matt. Now, this is what I found out. You have two teams in the SWAC that uh, play the same week that the playoffs start. Southern Grambling had a big contract with NBC. Okay. And we wouldn't move their game because of that television day. Mm-hmm. And then you have Alabama State playing Miles, and they refused to change their date. So the SWAC didn't say you can't go to the playoffs. But in some of those years, Grambling and Southern – we're still playing to determine who won the swag. Okay. Now, Jackson went to the playoffs numerous times as an at-large bid. And that's what happened with Florida A&M. They were an at-large bid. The NC2A offered them the opportunity to play as an at-large bid. Uh-huh. Okay. So, so what happened was when those teams, uh, I don't know how you let teams determine what you do, but the presidents and the ADs voted on it and they came up with the playoff game and it starts the same week the playoffs start. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you were going to win the conference, you had to play in the playoff game or chose to play in the playoff game. Mm-hmm. Now let's say the roles were reversal. Uh, 
Florida A&M won the conference and Jackson had the same record that A&M had, then they probably would have gotten an at-large field. Okay. But it didn't happen because of McNair, uh, and the SWAC never has won a playoff game. Okay. And Jackson State, Jackson State went to the playoffs oh seven or eight times, and we never won. The actual, the actual first year they had it, Florida A and M came to Jackson and beat us at one point, and they went on to win the first one double A playoff championship. They won the whole thing, but they were in the MEAC at the time. I see. So they don't have rules saying you can't play. But sometimes the uh, Southern and Grambling game was the game that determined who won the sweat. And in those cases, Jackson was granted an at-large bid at first. Okay. So they didn't always go because they won the SWAC championship. Now, there were a couple of years that they had it already wrapped up, and they didn't play a conference championship game. But they added the championship game, and that nullified the best team, actually, yeah, getting an at-large bid because they played on the same week playoffs. Yeah, so that's what I was thinking. It sounds to me, Mad Tiger, like you know the the whole SWAC hasn't ever won a playoff game goes hand in hand with the fact that because of the way they've done it and they are prioritizing the conference championship game and the celebration bowl. Most times, the best team is not in the playoffs. It's about the third best team who's who's taking right. that large. That didn't happen. That didn't happen until they started the two divisions, the East and the West. It used to be just all the teams in the sweat. And when they came up with the playoff game, then uh, the championship game, that nullified the best team in the sweat yeah. getting an opportunity to go back to the playoffs. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But, I got you. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that, that makes sense now. I was, I knew that it was kind of a little quirky. And and then you could debate what is best long term. What would be best? Is it to continue like it is, or because you, you know it sounds like to me the SWAC conference or the SWAC championship game, especially like this when Jackson State's going to host it, it's a money maker for folks. So and then the TV game, you know, I would think the Grambling and Southern game on TV, they got a TV contract. Well, there's a big check coming to those schools for playing in that game. You go play in a in an FCS playoff game, there's no big check associated with that. It may not even be on TV. So I can understand why the why they're doing what they're doing. I appreciate the call, Mad Tiger. Thank you. Who's next? All right, Parker on line two. What's up, Parker? Hey, man. Uh, just talking about the LSU hire, I, I have a couple of LSU friends. I'm an Ole Miss fan myself, but it doesn't seem like anybody's really – None of my friends, at least, are excited about this LSU hire, and I just keep hitting them with stats, like how good of a hire Brian Kelly is. So I'm going to run some stats by you, Matt. Uh, in the last four seasons, he's 44-6. and six. That's an 88% win percentage for a team. Crazy academic standards still up to for their players. Uh, they have no conference. They're a Catholic school. And it's kind of not in a very desirable location, but Notre Dame is a brand name. Um, those six games that he lost, two of them ended up being the national champion. Five of the six were all top five teams. Mm. He, that guy is a beast. LSU, 
LSU has this, you know, with Ed O, they kind of hired off of uh, emotion. You know, you know this guy, this is a Louisiana guy, and he is. But he's not an X's and O's guy. He's a hype coach. You finally have a coach in there that will settle everything down. He'll get the off-the-field issues corrected. He'll set a foundation. I mean, he's been at Notre Dame for over 10 years, and they've had one bad season. They've been to the national championship. They've been to the playoff. They got skull drug in the playoff, but they've been to the playoff, uh, I believe, twice, uh, not including the national championship game because I don't think the playoff is around then. But Brian Kelly, LSU fans, Brian Kelly, that is a home run hire. That is, to me, that's a better hire than USC getting Lincoln Riley. That is a great hire. Uh, but yeah, man, I'll hang up and listen to you know what you think about it. But if you're an LSU fan, you need to pat yourself on the back and you know get some season tickets because LSU is going to be back in the next two years. Parker, really good call, and I appreciate the information. I didn't know the numbers, but 44 and six over that time frame. Two of those six losses were to the eventual national champion. A couple more to top five teams. Um, you know, and when we had Cole Kublik on Parker, uh, if you missed that, that was at the very beginning of the show. The first thing out of the gates in hour one was uh, an interview with Cole Kublik, ESPN, and he was pointing out that Notre Dame's recruiting has been and is maybe better than people have realized, um, top five-ish even, you know, currently. So, you know, LSU is a place – that they're going to get players. Everybody who's ever coached there has a wealth of players. We all know that recruiting is not just the coach. It's the community. It's the alumni. It's the boosters. It's the families. It's the high schools. It's, you hate to say it, but it's the truth. It's the car dealers. It's all of that. And and LSU has the run of it in the state of Louisiana and a football-rich state, a talent-rich part of the country. So they're always going to have elite players. And, yeah, okay, so we're looking at on-field stuff, no doubt. I mean, he – it strikes me as a guy who is the boss, who older, been through it, no nonsense, everything's regimented, it's very military-esque. We're doing it this way, this way, this way, this way, this way, every time. They're going to work really hard in recruiting. Even though they don't necessarily have to, they're going to. So that's going to work out for them. And then the only thing that I wonder is, like, what philosophy are they going to go with offensively? Are they going to try to have the the hurry-up RPO stuff that is putting up big numbers at places like Tennessee and at Mississippi and at Oklahoma when and, and will at USC under – Lincoln Riley, you know, in some of these places. Are they going to try to do that? Is it going to be more of a, of a mix? Is it going to be more Alabama-like? You know, and maybe some of that depends on personnel. I mean, I do think also it, it passes the smell test to me. It's it, it just looks to me like a guy who is very much a regimented, disciplinarian, CEO type of guy who will come in and and steer the ship where it's got to go. As opposed to everybody's wondering if the captain's going to fall over the the you know the rail today. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I get it. I do think it's a different challenge, okay? Yeah, I, I'm not knocking on Notre Dame's schedule. 
It's better than people give them credit for in ways, uh, but not being in a conference. And you come to this one, it's a whole different deal coaching against that one every week. Okay? It just is. And I know that they've got bowl teams on their schedule, but it just is. It's one thing to play against Alabama. It's one thing to play against Auburn. It's another thing to play them week after week after week after week. It's you, you, Alabama in Tuscaloosa. It's Auburn at home. And then it's Mississippi State on the road. And then it's at Oxford. And then it's host Arkansas. And then it's finish up at Texas A&M. That run is what makes a big difference. But you know what else, too? Well, I tell you what. Let me just make this. We can always come back to it, and then I'm hitting the phone line again. But we were talking about the transfer portal earlier. Think about this. Now that players don't have to sit out, when you do convince them to transfer to you, it's so much easier for a coach to balance and and manage his roster. See, you know, right? Like we have you think about, you know, take Lane Kiffin this past year. And what's his name? DJ Durkin. We have an immediate need right now at linebacker. What do we do? We go get a kid from Maryland who I already know him and I know what he is, and he comes and he plays right. Now he immediately plugs the hole. We don't have to wait. He doesn't have to wait. We have a need. We fill it tomorrow. Before the open transfer immediate eligibility, what was it? Are we going to have a need in two years? Because anybody that comes in here now is going to have to sit out a year. Yeah, let's get the linebacker. Okay, He hasn't used his red shirt, so he'll use his red shirt this year. Then he'll be eligible next year. By the time next year rolls around, you may have three other kids that quit. One that blew his knee. Turns out that ain't as big a need as we thought it was. This other one's a need. You know what I'm saying? So the immediacy at which they can fill the holes in their roster, again, the importance of coaches who can recruit and talk kids and families into coming. All right, Wayne on line three of the Divinity phone. What's up, Wayne? Yes, sir. How you doing? Just right. Okay. Now, you know, they're saying on, you see, you looking on ESPN on the Internet, you know, everybody's getting 10-year contract. They can't be really 10-year contract. That's in other states, you know, in Mississippi. What is it, a four-year? Yeah. The most you can find. Yeah, and I've always heard, Wayne, that it's something that holds the athletics departments back in the state of Mississippi. It holds them back that the law is they can't go beyond four years. All right, like I said, you know, I mean, I was just looking, you know, I think Penn State coach, he signed it. You know, I mean, it was just, you know, I was just curious. Yeah, yeah. All right, man. Yeah, thank you, Wayne. Appreciate it. Thank you for calling. He, Yeah, other states can do whatever they want. You want to do a 10-year deal, do it. The longest, at least under the current law in the state of Mississippi, the longest extension you will see is four years. Now, there is another side to it. Okay, it, it keeps it may actually protect protect the athletics departments as say at state and at Ole Miss because with the pressure to keep up with the Joneses out here in big time college athletics, if you didn't have that in the state of Mississippi, and you have a hot coach at one or the other, 
who other schools around the country are wanting to court and talk to, there would then the agent, for instance, Jimmy Sexton is going to come in there and go, "Hey, listen, this school out there in the Big Ten is willing to sign Lane Kiffin up and give him a ten-year contract for X amount of money. You're going to have to do the same thing too, in order to keep him. And so you sit down, you do this big ten-year deal, this humongous buyout, and all that, and then the next year there are recruiting problems. The team loses a bunch of games. There's some off-the-field issue. We really need to fire him. And, oh, by the way, we just signed him up to a 10-year extension. You see, whereas, according to state law in Mississippi, you can only do out to four. The maximum amount of time you're ever going to have a guy on contract is four years. So maybe it protects you a little bit there. I don't understand all the details. I know just enough to be dangerous, I guess, in the, in the conversation about it. Uh, on the text line, a real Eric says Brian Kelly never had to worry about players getting arrested at Notre Dame. Let's see how he handles multiple players getting arrested while coaching at LSU. Mailman David says, how many championships does Kelly have? D- does Kelly have to win to be considered a success? The last three coaches have all won one. Yeah. Yeah, they have. But the last two would be Les Miles and Ed uh, Orzeron, who... Yeah, they won the championships, but it was pretty obvious that those were kind of sort of flashes in the pan for them and that other than outside of that, it was pretty obvious they were doing some underachieving. I mean, so it's not as simple as, you know, just a championship, I guess. I guess. (laughs) Sounds silly, doesn't it? For those who've never seen one in their lifetime. More of your texts coming up. I'll roll through. we got a bunch of them to get to. Looking forward to that. Here in hour number three in the Casserole Hour, I'm Matt. In the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio, stick around. Farm Bureau Insurance stands ready to provide financial relief to our communities in this time of crisis. This includes a one-time credit to all personal auto policyholders, a donation of $500,000 to the Mississippi Food Network, and additional payment options for those hit the hardest, all while continuing to service customer claims as well. But this is the time to go above and beyond. These are a few ways we're keeping the Farm Bureau promise. To learn more, talk to your agent, or visit us online. Go with the home team. After these messages, we'll be right back. We are about to have a fire and cook some sausage. A country-pleasing sausage is outstanding. Whether you cook it over a fire or in the house, cook some of this right here. It's green onion flavor. You see that? But this right here is my favorite, the maple flavor. And this is great for breakfast. It's awesome cooking it in the house because it makes the whole house smell good. Oh, yeah. Let's eat Country Pleasing Sausage, the best, hands down. If you go to countrypleasing.com, you can actually order this and deliver it to your house. Country Pleasing Sausage, hands down, the best. Trust me. Divinity Equipment, Spring Ridge Road in Jackson, Highway 51 in Madison. 
Hey, y'all, let me tell you a little bit about C Spire. New stuff in 2021, including 5G coverage. If you go to their website right now, cspire.com, you're going to see their no bull, which, by the way, I love the Super Bowl ad with the slow motion bull. You're going to see that on the website. But, look, they are right. There's been a lot of bull over the years in your wireless bill, depending on if, you know who you were with. And my experience with C Spire is just like they say, there's no bull. I know what it's going to cost me each month. I know what my coverage is. is the number one coverage in Mississippi, period, the number one network. And they've got 5G phones that are 5G ready. Now, I have the new iPhone 12 Pro Max. Got it at C Spire. Went and did curbside at my local C Spire location and did the exchange where I traded in my old one, got the new one, and it's 5G capable. And we've got 5G coverage in parts of Mississippi, and it's just growing by the day. So you really ought to check that out, okay? And in terms of the new phones, you got deals going on on those as well. Find those out at cspire.com. Cspire, customer inspired. After these messages, we'll be right back. Jeans do come true. Blue Delta Jeans makes the best-fitting, most comfortable jeans in the world because they are uniquely made for you and only you. Let's dive in and see what we have here. Do what I did. Visit BlueDeltaJeans.com. Find your fit. Design a jean. And before you know it, you'll be addicted. Just for my listeners, enter discount code MATTWYATT, all lowercase, uh, BlueDeltaJeans.com. I just entered, you know, what I knew about myself. Well, I just answered the questions, and here they are. Nice. Yeah, Blue Delta. Just answered the questions, and they fit absolutely perfectly. They couldn't fit better. So just go online, BlueDeltaJeans.com, answer the questions, use this code. Use the code. You're going to get a discount. They are the most comfortable jeans I've ever worn, and I know that you are going to love them, too. Mission is ready, sir. Live online at the zone 105.9.com and if your radio turn on to ESPN 105.9. The zone. Yeah, so and talking about leaving, putting people over money. Jimmy says Brian Kelly's family are his people too. Yeah, I know, but it's not like he's going from like homeless out on the street to a ninety-five million dollar job. <laughs> Well, $95 million over a period of time. What, $9 million a year? What's he already been making at as the head coach at uh, Notre Dame? What is his contract that he agreed to at Notre Dame? What is that? I mean, is it, what was he making at Notre Dame? $8 million a year? Seven? Oh, bless his family's heart. I mean, sure I'm glad he went and took that $9 million a year job at LSU. Otherwise, boy, his family, they were going to be bad off. <laughs> Come on, Jimmy. All right, unnamed texter said, Hey, Matt, what's up? Why is Coach Switzer trying to steal Coach Leach away from state? (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I I was asked about this earlier today in an interview. I don't know if there's anything to it or not. You know, if if legitimately, like, Switzer is mentioning it, but there's also something to it. Like, Oklahoma's really, I have no idea. You want my opinion? I think it'd be kind of smart. For Oklahoma. And I kind of hope they don't hire Mike Leach. I like Mike Leach at State. I like what he's doing. I like I like him. Okay, I like what he's doing. I like the progress of his team from year one to year two. I think from year two to year three is going to be fun to watch as players grow up and all this kind of stuff. I hope he sticks to it. 
if you told me, Matt, legitimately, the people at Oklahoma are, are actually interested in Mike Leach, well, they're smart. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. And Jimmy says, so he should never leave Notre Dame? No, 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 not at all. That's not what I'm saying at all. Anybody can go to work, whatever. I just think when you coach football, the totality of the season is the job. It's kind of like a player. I don't think a player ought to quit midseason. You want to transfer, finish it out. You want to take another job as a coach, finish the season out. That's my point is, you know, you coach them to 11-1, and one, you get to number six. I mean, maybe he has a crystal ball and knows the future and knows for certain that Notre Dame has no chance of the other two teams losing and him getting in the playoff. Right? I mean, maybe he has no chance of that. Since he has a loss to Cincinnati, who's number four, and Cincinnati's playing Houston, and maybe he knows that there's just that Cincinnati's going to win. There's no way Houston's going to upset them. Michigan is going to play whoever, Wisconsin, whatever, in the Big Ten game. Maybe he just knows without a shadow of a doubt Michigan's going to win. But what I'm saying is if both are upset and lose, then his team is in the college football playoff. And and by him remaining with them, were those two upsets to happen during championship weekend, Brian Kelly remaining with the team actually improves their case of of being elevated into the playoff, especially compared to their case now. That's all I'm saying. So I think you ought to stick it out, finish it out. And now we go, well, you have a you have a December signing day. So you got to get ahead of that. Well, the only problem with that logic, you see how many different things I'm reaching for here to pull up a calendar? I got eight different computers in here, and I'm using my iPhone (laughs) for my calendar. The problem with that is those games, the game that Cincinnati plays against Houston, the game that Michigan plays against Wisconsin are all happening December the 4th. Okay, so even if you held off on making a sh- an announcement here on this deal for LSU, at least wait till after Saturday to see for sure. Because after Saturday, if one of those two teams wins, they're going to be in the playoff ahead of you. You know that. Okay, then take the job, and somebody else can coach Notre Dame in the what bowl? The Fiesta Bowl, whatever the heck it is. But then you're there with them in case you go, hey, look, man, this is part of it. LSU, I know you want me, but here's the deal. I'm waiting past this weekend. If these, if those two teams lose and they put my team in a college football playoff, I'm coaching them. And if that means the deal's off, then guess what? Deal's off. I mean, that's all I'm saying. And see, Jimmy it says Billy Napier is coaching this week at Louisiana. He sure is. I respect that. And you know what? Scott Frost did that at UCF, and you go, oh, Scott Frost, he's done terrible at Nebraska. Well, so what? I don't care what he's done. He did the right thing before he went. And that was he finished things out with his football team at UCF, and I will forever respect him for that. In a time where the whole world says, oh, just leave. Do you. Do what's best for you. Money in your pocket. He cares about these other people. Well, I got res- respect for somebody who will put themselves at risk for the benefit of others. I respect it. 
not on a high horse. I can just respect what I want to respect. <laughs> uh, um, Anthony from Tupelo says, Brian Kelly already has a leg up because he'll probably bring Coach Bayless with him. That dude is intense. Is he? So Bayless is the strength coach at Notre Dame? I didn't realize that. Carlos says, there should be a rule that no coach can take another job until the bowl games are over. Yeah, the the problem is we um, we live in a free country. And uh, nobody can force you to work anywhere you don't want to. Some people think they can, but they can't. Um, so, and, and then also, you know, the, the signing day thing, you got the early signing day, middle of December for, which used to be just for what the early graduate, I'm sorry, the early JUCO transfers, but now it's for everybody. So signing day really has moved up to December from February. The February one really feels secondary. And so now everybody's trying to get ahead of that. And hey, is what it is in, in that regard. I think you ought to finish. Finish the year. Coach your team. But anyway. Uh, somebody said those teams don't want to move those last week games because they are worth a lot of money for the schools involved. Playoffs don't pay. Okay, so that's in regards to, yeah, that's the, the conclusion I came up with in regards to those, the, the SWAC and not putting those teams in the FCS playoff and instead being a part of these games. You know, you've got the SWAC championship game that a team earns the right to host. Then you got the Celebration Bowl. It has a TV contract. SWAC championship has a TV deal. Um, that Grambling versus Southern game has a TV deal. And that's right. All the TV deal means money. It means the schools are getting a paycheck for it. And uh, that funds a lot of things. And if you play in those FCS playoffs, you're not getting anything for that. And that's kind of the conclusion we drilled it down to when we were talking about it earlier. Uh, this says, people, people also forget Brian Kelly was undefeated at Cincinnati and then lost to Florida in the Sugar or Fiesta Bowl. Hmm. Yeah, I'd forgotten that. And you're right, PRG, you are exactly right. Ke- uh, Kelly is not the first uh, coach to do this. PRG says Tuberville lied to players at Ole Miss. While at Texas Tech, he left a dinner where he was hosting recruits and went straight to Cincinnati. The numbers are big, and that's why people are riled up. I've had people I supported when they were down and out, gave them a job when nobody would hire them, quit on me for another job paying 50 more cents an hour. PRG said, enjoy the show. Yeah, you know, it's Sometimes, you know, money, a little bit of money, a lot of money can be a great separator. It can be like an x-ray machine. You can see right what directly into somebody's heart. All you got to do is hold some money up in front of them. All right, more bully on line one. What's up, more bully? Matt, how you doing, man? Just right. Good. Uh, Sorry I hadn't. Caught up with you, man. You can probably tell I'm under the weather a little bit. Yeah, you don't uh, have the cocoa, do you? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> I don't. I'm good. 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 I never right. heard it called the cocoa. Though. It's been a while back, yeah. Okay. okay. Or that Rona. You hey, don't man, have the Rona. I, I don't have the Rona either. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 
I just wanted to say, uh, man, that event we you had, uh, I guess it was Tuesday night. Yeah. Man, that was incredible. And i tell you why. It's because you can probably tell by the questions I was asking. Like, I played football one year, and, like, it was peewee, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I don't really understand that because I know it's like you do. And just to be able to see you break it down and, and learn the ins and outs of it, it, it made a whole new experience for me watching the Eggman. Oh, really? And uh, I don't know whose idea it was, but I know it wasn't Brooks's. So uh, <laughs> I'm just happy somebody decided to do yeah, it. it was not. You know what? <laughs> I, I, I don't know where who the brainchild was. You know, we did some of those that Annabeth came up with the idea pr- prior to COVID, and then COVID killed our summer of events last year. But I think that was JB's idea, our old boy uh, Jables. Yeah. And yeah, that, that wouldn't surprise me. Look, at all. I was so impressed with that facility out there at Live Oaks. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, it was nice. I don't plan. On, I don't plan on getting married, <laughs> but I'll keep it in mind for some people. <laughs> I'm talking about it was it was nice enough, more bully that if I dropped some food on the floor, I'd probably pick it up and just eat it. That's how nice that oh, place. I, I saw Ready Teddy doing that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and speaking of Ready hey, Teddy, uh, tell Ready uh, Teddy yeah, that right. I, when you see him, that those were some of the best boiled peanuts I've ever had, too. And I appreciate those. Hey, did he give you lima beans? No, these are peanuts. Ooh, he gave me some Cajun lima beans, man. Really? Incredible. You, you need to talk him into that. Yeah. <laughs> He surprised me with it. I thought he was bringing peanuts, and I got lima beans, and I'll take it. That a boy. Hey, get well, more hey, bully. Thank you, sir. I'll see you soon. All right, see you. Yeah, old more bully. He's got. He's a little horse. He may have been yelling louder at his television during that battle for the golden egg than he's letting on, and that's why he lost his voice. Reckon? Reckon? <laughs> we'll finish up next. Y'all stick around. Yes, always look for this bird's eye bird, your guarantee of top quality frozen food. And your big bird's eye buy this week is bird's eye orange juice. Easy, you can serve it in a minute. Thrifty, it will save you money. Orchard fresh and delicious. Better buy bird's eye. Better buy, better buy, better buy bird's eye. Now, if you know your oats and want to feel your oats and taste how good an oat cereal can be, Well, you go for Cheerios. Great way to start the day with really great eating. That's Cheerios, one of the few foods made from oats. The tasty cereal grain everyone should have at breakfast. Crisp and golden, as only a toasted oat cereal can be. And nourishing? Why, a Cheerios breakfast gives you the power protein that grown-ups need to help stay in trim and youngsters need to grow on. Toasted oat goodness, toasted oat flavor, a delicious power breakfast. That's Cheerios. Let me tell you about an ice cream can't be beat. The very best tasting you can eat. It's meadow, 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 meadow smooth, freeze meadow gold. 
go to your ice cream man today and here's the word that you should say. Oh, give me meadow, 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 smooth, freeze, meadow gold. And remember, folks, meadow gold is mighty good. For double enjoyment, reach for Beech Nut Peppermint Gum. It sparkles your smile, your breath, your whole sense of enjoyment. Beech Nut Peppermint in the familiar yellow pack. Six o'clock, dinner time. Thank goodness for Jell-O Instant Pudding. Yes, thank goodness for Jell-O Instant Pudding. The terrific busy day dessert you can make at the very last minute. See how quick and easy. Just add it to cold milk and beat it up. That's all. By the time you're ready to eat it, it's all ready for you. Jell-O Instant Pudding, made by the famous Jell-O folks. So creamy, so nourishing, so delicious. No other instant pudding is quite the same. Stock your shelves with all seven flavors. The good, good, busy day dessert. Jell-O Instant Pudding. can give you a little life advice. And that's the kind of thing that could warp you for life. You're right. It's the Afternoon Drive with Jake Wimberly. Weekdays 3 to 6 p.m. Online at thezone1059.com and on your radio at ESPN 105.9. The Zone. Are you ready? Brace yourself. Now back to the Matt Wyatt Show. Back with you. Jimmy on the live stream says uh, maybe this early signing period is causing unintended consequences. Yeah. Well, there's no doubt that there have been more early coaching changes in the FBS and even the Power 5 level than before, and it's because of the early signing thing. People are trying to get ahead of it. Um, So there's one 
consequence of it right there. I feel certain. All right. Uh, back over to the phone line. John, I'm sorry, not John, Ryan on line one. What's up, Ryan? Hey. What's happening? Uh, it, man, this day's been crazy. Has it? As a, as a guy who grew up as a Notre Dame fan. Mm-hmm. Golly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, have you seen the thing where the guy said, uh, said uh, there was a assistant that went out to recruit a guy uh, um, for Notre Dame, and as he was walking out of that guy's house, uh, he just saw the news of uh, Brian Kelly leaving, <laughs> and he said, boy, am I feeling bad today. <laughs> If that's true, that's horrible. You know, we need to let our coaches know. <laughs> well, but you know, I guess you you know the you, you're supposed to be able to recruit players to the school and not just to a coach, right? But you you do need to be able to tell them who they're going to play for. Yeah, and uh, and uh, I I did I have heard somebody and this is on the Oklahoma thing. Uh, um, I have heard that uh, Brent Venables may be going to Oklahoma, and if he does. You may be getting uh, Jeff Levy hmm. as the offensive coordinator. Yeah, you know, and yeah, okay, I, that would that would certainly make sense for Oklahoma and for their personnel, for anybody that's wanting to go out there. Like, if you're a defensive guy, you're going to coach defense, or that's what you, your that's where your expertise is. Uh, Jeff Levy's a guy to be a, very high on a lot of people's list, but you know, the other side of that too, Ryan is. You could go, well, if Levy wants to be a head coach, you may have a, a quicker path to that being an offensive coordinator in the SEC versus being an offensive coordinator the next couple of years before Oklahoma gets to the SEC. But that's just another way to look at it. Yeah. Hey, um, Ryan, so you, you were a Notre Dame fan. Are you upset? You mad? Not as mad. Not uh well, you know, after the weird stuff uh, Brian Kelly's done over the years, yeah. with kind of the negativity that, you know, with the the camera guy a long time ago, yeah, and then the you know the execution thing, you know, it's mm-hmm. it, it's a little bit uh, if we get Luke Fick, if uh, you know Notre Dame gets Luke Fickle, it won't be. It, I think that'll be a little bit better. If that yeah. that would be a better upgrade because he yeah. doesn't have some. He doesn't fly out there sometimes. Sure. Ryan, I appreciate the call. It's good to hear from you, man. Thank you. Uh, Flip it over to line two. Ready, Teddy, hanging on. What's up, Teddy? Hey, man, I just wanted to say I enjoyed the event along with all the people that were at our table, and we had had a blast. And I want to ask you a question about the event, though. Um, With what appears to be Kiffin and Lee coming back, is it kind of – Repetitive for you to do one of those next year for the Eight <laughs> No, I'm, I, thinking with, I'm thinking with with different players and with different players and personnel, they're going to be a little bit different, no matter what. Yeah, I think you're right about that. You know, different players can really kind of change it, and and coaches are going to call things across the entire season differently according to what their players can and can't do. You know, and you never know about right. injuries and all that kind of stuff. No, so. Yeah, it's not just 
Well, we we would be down for it, man. If you wanted to come back, we really enjoyed well, it. Well, and, and hey, let me before I let you go. Well, let me tell you real quick too. Okay. I, I appreciate you being there and helping to get a bunch of people who listen to the show all at one table. Uh, that was pretty neat to see y'all. Yeah, well, you know, um, from all but one of them, it was the first time that I'd met them. I mean, I'd heard their voice on the radio and, read, you know, heard the text that they sent, but it's nice to, you know, to put a face with a name. Sure, yeah. Good stuff. Um, one, uh, one, one quick question since the casserole hour. Have you ever seen the movie Friday? Uh-huh, yeah. You remember when... You remember when Smokey told that girl, don't ever, 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 ever come by here? Yes, I do. Well, okay, okay. Well, I don't ever, 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 ever want to hear coaches complaining about the transfer portal, <laughs> transfer portal with all this dancing around they're doing. <laughs> I don't ever want to hear it. I'm the same They have way. lost their right to complain about. Yeah. So, all uh, right, man. Have a good day. Thank hey, you. You too, Teddy. Listen, I, I'm – I know that – when that transfer portal thing, you know, initially you can have a negative reaction to the idea that, that players wouldn't stick with, you know, a program they don't like. They get a little unhappy and they leave. And, you know, some of the numbers are not pretty in that so many players go into that transfer portal, but very few are actually coming out. However, it is an opportunity for programs like – Mississippi State, like Ole Miss, like Tennessee, where they are right now. Um, it's an opportunity for some of those. Okay? When you're in a Power Five conference, and at the top of it, you, you're, you've got Alabama and Georgia and the way they recruit. You know, it's in a different world in the way they're stacking up the talent coming out of high school. Right? It's not the same in other conferences either. I don't think the opportunity is as big in the portal in other conferences. Why? Because the SEC has the most coverage, the biggest fan bases, the most passionate fan bases, the best TV package, the most exposure on television. You know, I say most exposure. You know, the best social media accounts. I mean, like, everybody's watching and paying attention the SEC. There are more SEC players going into the NFL every year, and that's what players want. So, if you're in this conference, which you are, if you're a state or Ole Miss, you have so much to sell to the top players you need coming out of that portal. I believe it's the quickest way to maybe close some of that gap. Now, you wouldn't ever shun the high school talent, not at all. In fact, it is still the most important thing. That's the guts of your team. You want to develop players over a two, three-year period and then have them be those 20 or 30-something seniors one year when you're going to have a special year. Um, but in terms of you, they, they can transfer to you without having to sit out. It's so much easier for a coach to manage the roster. you know. And you go back, okay, well, two years ago we missed on – this position, safety, and so-and-so left. Well, who's the best one in there? Find him. Find a relationship. Let's talk to him and tell him it's a great chance you start day one. There is no sit-out. You play in the SEC, the biggest, best TV conference, and if you play well, you are right on into the NFL. Need you. Come on. Got a jersey waiting on you. You've got to hit 
home runs in the portal every single year. And it doesn't have to be eight guys. It just needs to be about four really key players who three years earlier, you didn't have a chance to sign them out of high school. But, buddy, you got a chance now because you need each other. And this is a one- or two-year relationship. Let's make it work. It's a chance to close the gap a little bit, year to year, if you're aggressive in that portal. I really believe that. Now, again, you can't go you, – you don't want to go too far because there's also this – you know, you got to have the guts of your program that is there, and it's a steady flow of third- and fourth-year guys who've been around and understand how things operate so that, you know, these four or five – Excellent athletes can come in and fill those holes and just filter into what you already have. You can't go bring in 15. You know, SMU tried it. And, you know, I don't know that they're necessarily all that much better off. They've had a good team, but. You know, and then what? And then TCU went and signed or has hired Sonny Dykes. Because in the name, image, and likeness and portal era, Sonny Dykes, while he was at SMU, did a great job in the transfer portal. TCU wants to do it also. That's what I think. All right. Uh, unnamed texter, country pleasing text line. Would Notre Dame fans be as upset if they took someone else's coach? Yeah, I mean, no. And nobody's feeling sorry for fan bases. I'm just thinking about a football team. I don't know about that, man. You're one weekend away from something miraculous happening and giving you your team a chance to slip into the college football playoff. We don't even wait. We don't even wait to see if that happens. I gotta be honest with you, man. That stinks. It stinks to high heaven. But there's a lot of things that stink. <laughs> all right, I'm Matt. That'll wrap it up for all three hours today. Same time tomorrow, same place. See you then in the Farm Bureau studio. See ya!